Chapter 61 Ivy hummed to herself as she walked down the sidewalk, past the fountains towards the Hall of Justice, smiling at the warmth of the early morning sun on her face. Poison Ivy, a reporter called from behind the press line. Poison Ivy, is an attack imminent? Well that sounds serious, Ivy thought, stopping at the bottom of the grand steps that lead up to the front entrance to approach the press corps. Which seemed to, surprise, everyone. Even the reporter who'd asked the question. What seems to be the problem? Ivy asked, her tone, chipper. Uh, G.A., Tijich, the reporter struggled to get her words out, her microphone shaking in her outstretched hand as Ivy leaned into it. Imminent, Ivy repeated. Meaning, overhanging or, about to happen. Seems you need to get that question out while I can still be of service. The reporter seemed to be recovering from her initial shock now, and finally blurted out, White Martians. Their satellites picked up a ship. Oh, Ivy said, frowning with concern. Well that is upsetting. Does the Justice League have a contingency plan in place to combat this? I certainly hope so, Ivy chuckled. Either way, I'd suggest you all get in the door. Seeing a white Martian in its natural form can really ruin your day, believe you me. Then she smiled at the reporter in front of her. What a gorgeous necklace. Oh, um, thank you, the reporter blushed as Ivy reached out to examine the pendant. Without thinking, Pam said, I bought the exact same one for my W, Alet, goddammit. With my wallet. She corrected me. I bought it with my wallet because that's where I keep my money, of course. Well, great. We'll take care of the white Martians, you get off our sidewalk, everything is fine. Ivy tried to bring the conversation to a definitive end and nodded before spinning on her heels, heading quickly up the front steps. Oh, here, let me get that for you, Ivy told Wally West, who was scaling the steps in front of her. A tree root leapt up from the ground and wrapped around the door's handle, pulling it open. Wally looked bewildered as he said, thank you. No problem, Ivy grinned, stepping inside behind him, her clapping heels on the marble floor sounding almost melodic to her. Good morning, Clark. John, John, she nodded at each of them as she laughed. That's funny. Did no one ever think that was funny? Or have you just never stood next to each other? Good morning, Dr. Isley, John greeted in return, although he too seemed puzzled. Clark looked almost concerned and John seemed scared. Kendra, Ivy nodded as she stepped into the elevator next to Hawkgirl. Or, no. It's Sherera now, isn't it? Sincerest apologies. I love your hair. Uh, thanks, Sherera offered, looking perturbed as she pressed the button for the 3RD floor. Ivy tapped her foot in tune with her humming as the elevator took them up to the hall's recreational quarters where she zeroed in on Joe and Damien as soon as the doors slid open. Hello, my daughter who seems to think it's appropriate to treat this communal space like it's her living room, she acknowledged with the same light-hearted tone and sing-songy cadence she'd been using all morning. Joe frowned, lifting her head from where it was laying on Damien's lap, the two of them lounging on the couch, well, Joe lounging and Damien allowing it. What's that? What's what? Ivy questioned on your face. There's something on your face. Ivy panicked slightly as she wiped around her mouth. She'd just given a television interview, 
something on her face was the worst-case scenario. Where? Right there. Joe pointed. Damien rolled his eyes. Your smile, Pamela. She's referring to the smile on your face. Ah, uh, yes, Ivy closed her lips over her teeth, tamping down her happiness just slightly. And my son-in-law who continues to insist on treating me like a peer despite my seniority and the fact he's now married to my daughter, how could I forget you? Good morning. I hope it's treating you well. Joe narrowed her eyes, setting the tennis ball she'd been tossing in the air to the side and sitting up. What's going on with you? I'm not sure what you mean, Ivy told her. But I am wondering what you're doing here. Shouldn't you be in San Francisco? White Martian threat, they wanted us all under one roof so we could mount a united defense, Joe answered quickly. Damien was eyeing her with the same critical regard Joe had employed. I think she got laid, he decided after a moment. Who? Joe was confused. Your mom. Damien told her. She either just had sex, or she's pregnant. Ugh, that reminds me, we're never having kids, Joe informed him nonchalantly before taking another look at Ivy. Holy shit, she realized. Please tell me it was Ma. Joe, that's, Pam began, but was cut off by Damien saying, what the hell does that mean? Joe turned to him, asking, what do you mean what does it mean? I don't want kids, though my statement was fairly self-explanatory. You can't just declare that. Damien shot back. It's a joint decision. Disgusting you'd assume or even suspect I'd be unfaithful to your mother in any capacity, Ivy mumbled, leaving them to their conversation. But yes, I did get laid. Not that it's any of your business. Who are you talking to? Donna Troy asked as Ivy passed her in the doorway. Ivy stopped, turned to her, and with a sigh, reached into her pocket, pulling out a $20 bill. You should be able to buy at least two chickens with this. Go do that. Can you just fucking not? Damien ducked to avoid Joe's quick flurry of batarangs which stuck in the alien behind him. I'm trying to have an adult conversation, he growled, pulling out his grappling gun and firing from the ground. The hook ripped through a Martian's stomach, securing itself there so that Damien could reel it in. He reached for his belt, but nothing came to his hand. God damn it, Joe. Where are my swords? How the fuck should I know? Joe asked, taking care of the Martian he had hooked by pulling the pin on one of her grenades and waiting until just before it detonated to throw it. Did you leave them at home? Having cleared their immediate surroundings, Damien took a moment to rip his hook out of the alien spasming at their feet. I took them to get them sharpened, did I leave them in the car? Joe opened her mask. Were you even looking in the right compartment? Of course. I'm not an idiot, Jolene. Believe it or not, I'm more than capable of. Did you check on your back, she asked, raising an eyebrow. What did I just say, he demanded. I said I'm not a fucking idiot. He reached behind his back anyway to prove a point, and the sword sprung to his hands. See, this is why we. Joe trailed off as the light changed, and they both looked up to see it was because a white Martian was blocking their sun. But it wasn't long for this world, as, at the moment it raised its fist, a tree root stabbed through its head, coming out the front through its eye before quickly retracting. 
The alien dropped to its knees before falling forward onto its face, revealing an irritated poison ivy. We don't have time for your heterosexual nonsense, she told them. Damien, of course Jolene wants children. She loves children. She made a reactionary statement stating an opinion that she's comfortable with for right now. You just got married. She reminded them, and as she did, they watched a thick vine shoot up from the ground behind her and wrap around a Martian that was quickly approaching. Allow a little time for that to sink in and for Joe to actually adjust to adulthood before beginning those conversations. You're young, there's plenty of time. However, Damien, with your family history and personality, it honestly isn't unreasonable for Joe to assume you might not want children. So, although the inevitable conclusion is that you will have children, it's not ridiculous for the alternative to be considered. Now do your job. I shouldn't have to be parenting right now just like you shouldn't be quarreling. Fine, Joe and Damien mumbled in unison, Joe's mask closing back over her reddened face. Uh, I don't know, you guys. Kara, honey, just come out here, please, Lena was growing impatient. I'm sure you look fine. I know I look fine, the blonde guaranteed from the bathroom. It's just, it's weird not being able to feel a breeze. I think you'll eventually come to appreciate the lack of breeze, Karen chuckled from her place on the couch next to Anthony, and in another moment, Kara did, somewhat reluctantly, it seemed, emerge from the bathroom. She seemed nervous as her hands tentatively came to rest on her hips in an attempt to assume her hero pose, but quickly deflated, her shoulders slumping as she dropped her hands. I don't know, I just, it doesn't really feel like me, I don't think. Anthony was confused, if not a bit disappointed. They'd made sure to keep the essence of her old suit. Pay homage and improve, that was always their motto when approaching the aesthetics of a design. They'd recreated the material with only slight structure modifications to improve durability, so it should feel the same on her skin. As far as color, they didn't change that either, just added a few sky-blue highlights on her sides and shoulders to accentuate her V-taper. And yes, they'd added a collar, and a yellow highlight around the edge of her cape, changed the belt design to something a bit thinner, added some red to her pants, broadened the symbol on her chest and anchored the cape there, so the red of the S began the red of her cape, all right, so maybe they changed more things than Anthony realized. Plus, you know, pants. But still, Anthony and Karen had been pretty pleased with themselves. And getting to work on a super had been such an honor, they understood how loved the Kryptonians were on this planet. How much their image meant, how pictures of Kara in this suit would be plastered onto the walls of millions of young girls, and probably a few teenage boys. Unlike the Bat family, who operated under the cloak of darkness, everything the Supers did was on worldwide display. Needless to say, Anthony and Karen hadn't taken this assignment lightly. Is there anything that you don't like about it specifically? Anthony asked, taking out a notepad. Because we can always go back and make adjustments. We want you to feel comfortable and confident. Going into battle with a suit you don't like is, in my humble, non-super opinion, akin to arriving at school in only your underwear. Stressful for you, weird for everyone else. Kara didn't answer, just stood in front of the mirror nervously wringing her hands, so Lena sighed and turned to explain that, Kara doesn't like change. Processing it can be difficult for her. But the suit is gorgeous, honestly. And looks absolutely lovely on you, Kara, 
she raised her voice slightly to make sure. She was getting through whatever mental blockade her wife was putting up. Once she's grown more accustomed to it, we'll contact you should we come up with any specific gripes. But in the meantime, well done. Really and sincerely. I think it's a fantastic next step in her evolution as a hero. You look like your mom, you know, Joe said into the silence of their darkened bedroom. That's impossible, Damien murmured beside her. Joe rolled her eyes. Okay, even if I was talking about Selena, which you know I wasn't, my statement would still be true as your dad's type is so specific it extends not only to the children he collects but the woman he married as well. Seriously, if Selena were a boy, she'd look exactly like you, or Dick, or Tim, or Bruce, for that matter. She scoffed, and they say my mom's a narcissist. And Jason, Damien pointed out. Seems like you've got a type too. Jason's dead. Damien rolled away from her. And Talia al Ghul is dead to me. Well, since we're being dramatic, Joe sat up and turned the bedside lamp on. What happened to our adult conversation? It got interrupted by a platoon of shape-shifting aliens, he reminded her, still facing away. Joe put her hand on his shoulder and pulled gently until she could see his face. Why, after what you went through with Talia, would you want to have kids? Aren't you afraid of making the same mistakes? Am I afraid of attempting to trap a man in a relationship he didn't want by manufacturing his child, only to realize that was a ridiculous fucking idea and drop the kid off on his father's doorstep? Damien prompted before holding up his left hand to show her his wedding ring. Think I might be exempt from that particular scenario. All right, fine, Joe laid back in a huff. Well what if I do a shittier job than my parents and my mom just drags on me 24-7? Do they critique Anthony's parenting? Damien asked. Joe snorted. Anthony is Anthony. They don't critique anything Anthony does. Just like Dick, Damien grumbled. Thinking over the comparison a moment, Joe decided, yeah, fuck those guys. With their approachableness and generally pleasant nature. Who needs me? Damien chuckled, murmuring, they're the worst, as he leaned forward to kiss her slowly, wrapping his arm around her as he did. As much as I hate to admit it, Ivy is right. We don't have to talk about this right now. I don't have any interest in having kids at the moment either. In fact, the only reason I want them at all is to pass on the Batman mantle. Well, you better work on that whack-ass motivation, Joe informed, running a hand absently though his hair. How about this, in two years, we reassess. I'll be 25, you'll be, 31? That's, uh, respectable, right? If we're not divorced by then, Damien acknowledged, pulling Joe's shirt up enough to expose her abdomen and leaning over her to kiss her neck. Okay, first off, Joe began. That prenup you had me sign was weak as shit, so you're gonna want to have some contingency plans in place before you divorce. Me otherwise Imma be blasting bitch better have my money every time I see your sorry ass face because bitch, better have my money. Secondly, she sat up a little further so that he could slip the shirt over her head. What the hell do you think you're doing? Well. He tossed her shirt off the bed and hovered over her, bracketing her body with his elbows. We had a fight, we made up, now we get to have makeup sex. Joe laughed. Is that the typical order of events? He shrugged. I don't make the rules, 
I just follow them. Since when? Since I found a set of rules that I liked. Chapter 62 It's an abuse of power, is what it is. Joe complained. The fact that I'm 25 and have to drag myself to my parents' house to ask permission like I'm still 10 years old, Anthony didn't have to do that. Fuck, Anthony didn't even know. Emicham, Damien distractedly acknowledged, his eyes on the road and his hands tight on the wheel. It's just, it's bullshit. It's a double standard. And I'm sick of it. Emicham, Damien said again. Joe narrowed her eyes, staring him down from the passenger seat. Are you even listening? Emicham. Joe crossed her arms, sitting back against the seat with a huff. You're not even listening. It's, uh, double standard and your mom's a bitch and you're an adult, Damien lazily recited, clearly not completely with it. What's your problem? Joe wanted to know. The space cadet thing is only cute when you end up handing me your credit card. Damien snorted. What do you think is my problem? It's not every day I have to jack off in a cup and hand it to my mother-in-law. I'll have you know that some people would be honored to jack off in a cup and hand it to Poison Ivy, Joe informed him. So count your blessings. Well, some people aren't married to her daughter. Damien pointed out, making the final turn towards his in-laws. You'd be surprised how little that matters to some people, Joe mumbled, looking out the window. What are you talking about? Oh my god, Joe turned to him, laughing. Did I never tell you that Jason had a pinup of my mom in his bedroom? What? Yeah, Joe sat forward as they pulled into the driveway. I mean, I made him take it down when we were, you know, but yeah, my point is, don't assume the two are mutually exclusive. Being into me or my mom, I mean. Joe, Damien shut off the car before turning to her, looking serious. You willingly had sex, for three fucking years, with a guy you knew was probably picturing your mom? What the fuck is wrong with you? Shit, Joe exhaled. I don't know, man. It was, uh, not exactly a period of my life that I'm proud of. But it got me here, so. She leaned over to kiss him. It is what it is. Opening the door, she wrinkled her nose. You, that almost made it sound like I had feelings or something. Or that I loved you or whatever. Consider me repulsed, Damien stated, climbing out of the driver's seat and heading towards the side gate. He was about ten feet away from his destination when he heard Joe start a run behind him, and in a moment she jumped onto his back. W.H., Joe, why? Just, why? Just keeping you on your toes, Batman, Joe giggled into his ear. You have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. Well what's my alternative? Body slam you onto the pavement? Damien asked, continuing towards the gate. That's called, domestic abuse and your mother would disembowel me. Good call, Joe laughed, securing her legs around his waist and her arms around his neck as he opened the gate. You're right, she'd totally Hannibal your ass. Duke was in the backyard holding a staff in front of Harley, who sat on the small stone path that had recently been added to the lawn so that she could venture off of the porch in her chair. And, strike, she instructed, and Duke listened, whipping the staff around in the air and coming down hard on an attack dummy that had clearly been lifted from the Batcave. He grinned after his follow-through, 
retracting the staff and smiling up at Harley. How was that? So good, she applauded. Can always be faster, though. Always, always, always. I'm faster with the nunchucks, Duke pouted, looking down disappointedly at his staff. Yeah, but we gotta be well-rounded, D, them's the rules, Harley winked. Plus, you hit yourself in the head last time and your mama got angry with Nana, so we gotta lay off the nunchucks for a bit, alright? Okay, Duke was answering when he noticed Damien carrying Joe through the gate. Oh no, he exclaimed. Aunt Joe, can you not walk anymore like Nana? Nope. Joe smiled. Just wanted a piggyback. And she's lazy, Damien added. And I'm lazy, Joe agreed. Such a lazy superhero and gymnast that is still regarded as one of the best to ever compete despite never going to the Olympics or winning a world title and having retired ten years ago. Lazy, lazy, lazy. She hopped down off his back. Hey, ma. Looking good, she chuckled, referring to the sweatshirt that said, Great moms get promoted to grandma, in big letters across the front. Harley grinned. Anthony got it for me. And my descent down the favorite kid leaderboard continues, Joe exhaled. Well, that depends, Harley began, sagely. Damien, will you be allowing your children to come over to Nana's house and play with nunchucks? Of course, Damien assured her. Nunchuck training is a vital aspect of the Bat family curriculum. That was clearly the answer Harley wanted to hear because she smiled, almost blushing. At the very least, Joe, Damien has jumped in front of Karen, which raises your combined score. Oh, great, Joe nodded. Glad you put so much thought into this. Where's mom? Harley snapped her fingers. I'll give you a prize if you can guess. The greenhouse, Joe said. What's my prize? The word duh, because duh, Harley chuckled at her own joke. Now off you go. If you want Duke in that Robin suit in the next four years you're gonna have to stop interrupting our training sessions. Can't get any work done in these conditions. Joe rolled her eyes and grabbed Damien by the hand, pulling him towards the greenhouse. And with each step she could feel him resisting more. Dude, suck it up. Your thing is fun. My thing fucking hurts. Plus, you didn't have to do the shots or anything, so seriously, stop your bitching. I'm not bitching, Damien grumbled behind her as Joe unlatched the door and stepped into the greenhouse's noticeably warmer climate. Good afternoon, Jolene, Pam greeted from where she sat behind her workbench, her focus aimed firmly at whatever medieval torture device she was holding in her hand. Joe turned to Damien. Are they being weird? They're being weird, right? Mom, why are you being all cordial and why did Ma barely give me the time of day out there? I, am, finishing, this up, Pam murmured, keeping her bottom lip firmly between her teeth before letting out a contented sigh and placing the instrument on her workbench. And as for your mother, she's nervous and has reminded me about seventeen times in the last three hours that I'm not a medical doctor. So there you go. Great, fine, thanks, that thing's not going inside me, is it? Joe asked, immediately rerouting the conversation and pointing a shaking accusatory finger at whatever the hell Ivy had been working on. I mean, I, look, guys, I can put up with a lot of shit and my pain threshold is pretty damn impressive, but I think the fuck not.
Pam seemed confused about her meaning for a moment. Oh, you mean? No, this won't, not vaginally, she laughed. Goodness, that would be, borderline acrobatic. Wait, that? Damien was now the one confused. I thought women. Only the ones who get paid to say they do. Pam cut him off. What? 8. Joe answered the question Pam hadn't yet asked. Hmm. Hey, wait a minute, Damien said, sounding suspicious and then offended. Now you wait just a minute. Joe pat him on the back sympathetically. Life comes at you fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And it in this context is the boat that Topic just sailed away on. Damien, Pam tossed a cup at him to get his attention, the plastic bouncing off his chest before he fumbled to catch it. You know what's required of you. I sincerely hope I don't have to walk you through the specifics of the task. No, I, yeah, I got it, he said, his face reddening. Great, Pam smiled. The second upstairs bathroom is open to you, as is Joe's bedroom. I'm afraid I can't provide you with any visual aids. She sounded only slightly apologetic. So you'll just have to use your imagination. That's, fine, Damien decided before raising an eyebrow at Joe. You good? You don't, uh, need me here, or anything? To watch my mom reach into my uterus? Joe wondered, plopping down on the table Ivy usually used for specimen examination. Nah, I think I'm good. Have fun. Yeah, Damien mumbled, taking one last look at Joe before ducking back out of the greenhouse, cup in hand. Pam waited until the door closed behind him to clear her throat and lean against her workbench, her eyes scanning her daughter critically. Are you eating enough? Joe laughed, that was such a mom thing to ask. Are you kidding? Of course I'm eating enough. My husband's a billionaire and I've got Supergirl's fucking metabolism. I have to reserve one of my suit's compartments just for snacks. Right, Pam acknowledged. Which is why it's easy for you to become malnourished. Billionaire, Mom, Joe reiterated. Billionaire with a B. I'm not going hungry. Pam sighed. I never assumed it was thanks to lack of funds. You can sometimes get complacent, that's all, and I know you're busy. Joe spread her arms wide. Do I look malnourished to you? When Pam didn't respond, Joe exhaled, dropping her arms back down to her sides. Turns out I'm sorta okay at being an adult. I feed myself, I sleep when I can, I always show up to work on time, um, what else, she chewed on her lip, thinking for a moment. I would consider myself happy, at work and at home. But, see, Damien and I are both, for all intents and purposes, human, and that means all this shit could get taken away from us pretty quick, so we decided it would really suck if something happened to one or both of us and we hadn't, you know, done this yet. So there's the answer to the question you're not asking, but you really are asking. We're here because we're here. It's what we're doing. It was a moment before Pam reacted at all, but when she did, it was a simple nod. Fine. She decided, reaching behind her to pull on a lab coat. This is an externalized ultrasound machine, courtesy of Wayne Tech, she placed a hand on the instrument Joe was happy was not being shoved inside her body. Typically, with a procedure like this, 
the physician would vaginally insert an ultrasound probe to guide the extraction needle, but instead, we'll be giving this a try. This is just a prototype, but the idea is that it should provide me the same visibility without penetration. Joe detected some excitement in her voice. You're pumped you get to use a new toy, aren't you? I am, Pam smiled. Now the needle, on the other hand, is both necessary and painful, so after you change into this. She grabbed the folded hospital gown from her desk, I'll get you some pain medication. Joe bobbed her head, looking around the greenhouse. Shouldn't we be in a sterilized room or something? To you and I, this environment is sterile, Pam explained. I'll attempt to extract three eggs from your uterus, then I'll fertilize them with the sample Damien provides me. After that, they'll be housed in my incubation tank here, and if any of them take, then I'll eventually transfer them to the larger tanks at Wayne Manor. Your body is, of course, not conducive to housing a fetus, so external maturation is our only option. Joe furrowed her brow. Why three? Because the estimated likelihood of success is between 8 and 12 percent, Pam told her. It's a fickle thing, your physiology. But I will do my best. That, I can promise you. Deep breaths. Okay, Joe offered a small smile, that she knew wasn't likely to convince anyone. Pam smiled back, a reverence in her expression that reminded Joe of, of that time Pam came to her flag football game, the only one she ever went to, and she leaned forward and gently kissed her on the cheek and told her to have a good game. It was odd, how Pam could make anything sound important. That was one of her more underappreciated superpowers, but Joe remembered how her heart had swelled at hearing that, how she'd repeated it over and over in her head, Mom wants me to have a good game, Mom wants me to have a good game. Joe had wanted to have a good game too, and she did. And she got to have that good game in front of her mom and Pam was happy and Pam smiled and Pam was proud. Joe's hand clenched around Pam's now, and just like on that day, her mom leaned forward and gave her a kiss, this one on the forehead. Okay, she whispered against her skin. And it was okay, Joe decided. It would be okay. All right, I can't, just wait, just wait. No. Harley shouted. No, no, no. Just pause the goddamn, ugh, Pam took matters into her own hands, getting up to snatch the remote away from her wife. I have questions. No, you have complaints, Harley pointedly corrected, scowling at her. It's sci-fi, Pamela. Quit trying to apply it to the real world. Harleen, I am the plant-human hybrid result of a mad scientist's experiment. I am sci-fi, she forcefully reminded her. All I'm asking for is a bit of consistency. And to know why the FBI doesn't have actual pathologists employed. Why is Scully doing all the autopsies? That's not her job. Harley raised an eyebrow. You done? No, I'm not done. Pam caviled. How is she still a skeptic? I'm asking honestly, like, look, I was a scientist too, one who had every textbook on my subject memorized, one that always stuck to strict experimental procedure, but at the point that I was abducted, strapped to a table and turned into something other, I fucking realized that maybe everything isn't so black and white. Does she not remember being abducted? Because I sure as hell remember her being abducted. The fact that you made me sit through those solo Mulder episodes, was, I know torture, Harleen. 
And that was torture. Okay, it was literally like two episodes, so calm yourself, Harley snapped. And no, she can't remember being abducted, they wiped her memory or whatever. And she's a woman of science. Let her have her doubts, she always comes around in the end. And that's the problem. Pam argued. She gets proven wrong and shown things that she didn't think were possible every goddamn episode. Where's the character development? And is she, her demeanor changed to genuinely inquisitive? Is she a lesbian? Because it seems like they're pushing the will they, won't they think pretty hard, and yet, blazers. Harley, she has so many blazers. And I don't remember 90s fashion well enough to gauge whether or not that's normal. I mean. Harley frowned, thinking that over. I started working at Arkham in, in 97, I don't think I had any blazers, really, and I still ended up married to a woman. Yes, well, if Scully was wearing necktees every day, I wouldn't need to be asking this question, Pam laughed, sitting back down on the couch. Wait, what do you, what do you mean? Harley asked, sounding almost fragile as she turned her chair to face her fully. You, I thought you liked my neckties. Oh, I did, Pam confirmed. Because I'm a woman who likes women. Liked your vests too, she laughed. But they, they fit me well. Harley muttered, her mind reeling. When did you know? Well, Pam sat forward with a smile. There had only been one other doctor who'd worked at Arkham with Joan before you, so when Joan told me I was getting a new doctor and it was a woman I was excited because my game was. Much too easy to play with men, and honestly the whole, I seduce them, they let me out, I kill them thing was growing tiresome. Harley rolled her eyes. Why'd you have to kill them, again? Because Arkham guards are famously brutish and sexist and would regularly make comments about what they'd like to do to me as they walked past my cell, so instead, I do what I wanted to them, Pam smiled contentedly. In any case, attempting to seduce women was a far more enjoyable challenge seeing as how my pheromones are ineffective on the fairer sex. Harley was growing impatient. Will you get on with it? I was all set for a challenge, and then I saw you walking down the hallway in that tie and I thought. What? Harley demanded. What did you think? I thought, damn it, too easy, Pam laughed, ducking backwards to avoid the action figure Harley was volleying at her. You're such a bitch. Harley exclaimed, hitting her in the side with another one as she laid there laughing on the couch, Anthony had brought over an entire case of them because they'd finally made an action figure with Kara wearing the costume he'd designed. You're a predator, is what you are. You preyed on me. Yes, Pam acknowledged, trying to contain her laughter to just a smile. It was my evil lesbian gaydar that convinced you to come on to me, and then sleep with me, and then marry me, and then have children with me. Nah, your gravity-defying tits did all that, Harley grumbled, though her resolve was breaking, throwing the last action figure she could reach. Understandable, Pam said. Regardless, we've come no closer to understanding Scully's sexuality and I maintain that this show has enough plot holes to strain pasta, she stopped, furrowing her brow as she read the alert on her cell phone that had just buzzed beside her. Huh. What? Well, today's the day we learn if any of Joe's embryos are viable. Yeah. Harley prompted. Is there something wrong? I'm, not sure, Pam admitted, getting up.
you can press play, if you want. It's obvious the townspeople are cannibals. Ugh, leave. Harley waved her out the door. You're ruining it for me. You've already seen it. Pam shouted over her shoulder before exiting the house and crossing the backyard to the greenhouse. She unlatched the door quickly, closing it firmly behind her before approaching the monitor attached to the incubation tank. Pam was sure the readout she'd received was an error, there was just no way that. Fuck. I was successful because the opportunities were provided for me. Because I had the means and motivation to reach my goals, Joe was wrapping her speech up. But there are too many children out there with every ounce the motivation that I had, but no way to get there. No path to success. The Wayne Foundation wants to open those paths. And that starts with this community center. She smiled as the crowd applauded. Growing up, my husband and I were opportunity takers, accepting what was given to us and working hard to prove. We deserved it. Now we're ready to be opportunity makers, and this one is for you all. So without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend. The mastermind behind this project, my husband, Damien Wayne. She clapped for him, stepping away from the microphone so that he could take her place. When he leaned in to kiss her on the cheek she whispered, don't you dare say anything gross. So of course he began his speech with, I may be the mastermind, but believe me when I say my wife is the heart and soul. Asshole, Joe thought before her phone vibrated in her pocket and she turned away to check it. Mom, please come by the house at your earliest convenience. Why does she have to be so cryptic? Damien asked as they left the event. Joe sighed, staring blankly at the back of their driver's head. If it's a yes, it means we're going to be parents and that's probably something she wants to tell us in person because she's my mother. If it's a no, I'm guessing she'll want to come up with a contingency plan as to how we'll go about it differently next time, how we can tweak the process to make it more successful. She glanced sideways at him before changing the subject. You think they'll ever promote me? Or will I be commuting to San Francisco for the rest of my life? I don't know, Damien admitted, absently tapping his fingers on the seat between them. Ivy's a better person to ask, I'm not even in those meetings. I asked what you thought, not what you know. When a spot opens up and they feel like you've earned it, then yes, I'm sure they'll promote you, Damien assured her. Fine, Joe mumbled in response, looking out the window at the passing cars until she recognized her parents' street. Damien helped her out of the car and told the driver to wait and that they'd be back shortly. They then headed straight for the greenhouse. It was evening, the wind was picking up and Joe's jacket was meant more for fashion than function, making the trip up the driveway and across the backyard more unpleasant than usual. When they did get inside, though, Joe was relieved to find Pam had maintained the steady humid climate, not that she'd ever let it drop below, tropical, in there, but it was exactly what they needed. Pam was sitting behind her desk, her hands clasped in front of her when they entered. Evening, she said, trying a smile that looked a bit unnatural. Joe could tell by her body language something was weird. It's bad news, isn't it? That, depends on your definition of bad, Pam told her. Please, have a seat. She gestured to the two chairs she'd placed in front of her desk, and Joe had to chuckle at her mother's attempts to make this appear official. Damien obliged, taking a seat, and Pam waited for Joe to do the same before beginning.
So, the procedure was successful, Pam told them. So very, very successful. Joe was excited at first, sitting up straighter at the news, a smile stretching her lips, but as her mother's expression remained, weird, she slowly deflated once more, watching Pam critically. What do you mean? I mean. Pam cleared her throat. I mean that, at this stage, it appears as if, all three embryos are viable. Damien's jaw went slack, but Joe just nodded. Cool, 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 she said. Gotcha. Very cool. Say, Mom, you wouldn't happen to have any water, would you? Pam, clearly surprised by her daughter's seemingly positive reaction, said, of course, and reached into her desk to hand Joe a mug that appeared to have been painted by a child. That's filtered, she pointed to the sink to her left and Joe smiled cordially, taking her mug to fill it up. She made that for me, you know, Pam was proudly telling Damien. Can you believe her hand was ever small enough to make that little print? Damien came as Joe began to drink. No, Joe, don't, don't do the thing. And in the next moment Joe was spewing out her entire mouthful of water. What the fuck do you mean all three? Pam jumped but recovered quickly, trying to appear unshaken. In more common terms, triplets. Joe launched her cup at the wall, shattering it into a million tiny fragments. Jolene. Pam stood up. I liked that mug. If you needed something to angrily throw, she yanked one of her drawers completely off its track, dropping it atop the desk. Here. Joe and Damien peered inside to find it was full of Rubik's cubes. Just chock full of M. Mom, Joe cautiously began, abandoning what was now clearly the less important discussion. Do you buy Rubik's cubes in bulk just to throw them away? Well, yes, Pam said like it was obvious. I'm convinced that's what they were manufactured for anyway. That and tricking children into playing and losing an unwinnable game. Unwinnable? Damien asked her to clarify. Yes, I've been drafting a letter to the manufacturer, Pam assured them. It's cruel, selling a puzzle to children that is impossible to solve. Jiminy Christmas, Joe muttered, snatching one of the cubes and plopping back down in her chair. Pam watched, rapt, for the entire three minutes and forty-eight seconds it took Joe to solve it. Honestly, she slammed it down on the desk in front of the redhead once she'd finished. You're overthinking it. It's about colors and patterns, it's not genetic engineering. And the fact that Poison Ivy's nemesis is a puzzle from the 80s is just, look, I can't do triplets, alright? Pam was staring, shell-shocked, at the object in front of her. Her green eyes wide, her bottom lip quivering ever so slightly. I think you broke her, Damien remarked to Joe, and when Pam still didn't say anything, he decided they needed to move on with or without her. Obviously we'll have to terminate at least one of them. Two, preferably. But what if we end up aborting Amelia Earhart and keeping Hitler? Joe was beginning to panic. Two girls and a boy, Pam mumbled still in her state of severe depression. Then we'll keep one of the girls and the boy, Damien amended. Fair. F.A., no. Joe shot back. No, what if we abort Amelia Earhart and keep Aileen Wernos? Then she'll still be Charlize Theron somewhere under there, was Damien's rebuttal. That's, ah, uh, touché, 
Joe stopped to laugh. No, hey, wait a minute, this isn't funny. Pam seemed to have collected her wits, or was close to it at least because she sounded more present when she said, you have time to make the decision. And, realistically, they might not all survive to term anyway. I just wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page, the page that, as it stands, says you can expect three children. Two girls and a boy, Joe repeated. Two girls and a boy, Pam confirmed. Chapter 63 Hi. I'm Carrie. I enjoy poetry, sunsets, and long walks on the beach. Carrie read it back over and then immediately deleted everything. No I don't, she mumbled. And no one would ever want to date all those exclamation points. Hi. My name is Carrie, I have a useless film degree from Gotham State, but I am a pretty talented photographer, so if you're conceited and want me to take. Some pretentious photos of you walking on the beach at sunset or whatever, I'm your gal. Carrie groaned as she read it back. This is so stupid. Regardless, she decided to move on. Looking for. Carrie stared down at the three options the app provided, men, women, or men and women. Her finger hovered over the men option for some time before she removed it, setting her phone down on the desk in front of her. She hated this, being almost 30 years old and still, unsure. Still confused. It made her angry, actually, and Carrie never got angry. But this, sitting here, alone on the eve of her birthday, again, stupid. It was just stupid. Anthony would come over, sure. And Bruce would be there, and Selena, and Barbara and Dick, Damien would begrudgingly put on a party hat and Harley would probably be there too, and Joe, she would attempt to bake a cake, and it would turn out dry because she would get distracted, and then Bruce would order one to replace it but Carrie would eat Joe's anyway because she'd tried. She'd fail, but she'd try, and Carrie liked that she tried for her. But then she'd blow out the candles and be 30 and confused. Not 29. And that, sucked. Carrie had a picture in her mind of the person she'd end up with. They'd be, funny, and smart, and maybe a little mean but like in a teasing way, that was just the sense of humor Carrie was used to by now. They'd be, well, they'd have to be athletic, or active, at least. Carrie wanted someone who could keep up with her. She knew she was, at times, annoyingly energetic. Preferably they'd be very pretty, or handsome. Or handsome, or handsome. And they'd be taller than her, and sort of, effortless about everything. Like they could dress up if they wanted to, but also look great just, at the gym or. Carrie jumped when her phone rang on the desk, that picture of Joe with her nose crinkled and her tongue sticking out at the camera popping up on screen. The redhead cleared her throat, running a hand through her short hair as she picked the phone up before answering. I, pretty lady, Joe greeted immediately, before Carrie even had a chance to say hello. Whatcha up to? Carrie considered the sad online dating profile she was putting together. About to look for cats to adopt in my area? Uh, nothing, much. Why? Are you? Faintly, the chorus of Peter Gabriel's, in your eyes began to waft through her open window. Outside your fucking window? You bet I am. She could hear Joe's grin through the phone as she went to her widow and pulled up the blinds to find that, yes, 
Joe was in the driveway, hanging out the driver's side window of her mother's wheelchair van, and yes, she was, indeed, grinning. Are you gonna make me watch Cocoon? Carrie asked, smirking. Only if you teach me how to drive, Joe countered. Wait, am I Lloyd or Diane? Damn it, I'm Lloyd. My bad. Whatever, hey, get your ass in the van, Ma and I are going to Ikea and we need another set of hands. Carrie glanced down at her sweatpants and t-shirt. Uh, okay, fine, but I have to change. Is there fabric covering your panties, Care Bear? Um, yeah. Good enough, Joe said before abruptly hanging up. With a smile, Carrie got up, swapping her sweatpants for a pair of jeans and pulling a varsity jacket over her t-shirt. She then began the arduous process of navigating Wayne Manor's expansive and convoluted layout in search of the door. Carrie had lived there since she was 12 years old and still somehow managed to get herself lost about once a month or so. But today she made it to the front door in record time. Jinkies, daff! Carrie exclaimed as she walked down the driveway. Where's the rest of the gang? Joe looked down at her purple shirt and then the blue van she was driving. Jeepers, she exhaled, waiting for Carrie to climb into the passenger seat to say, now I kinda want you to change into a turtleneck. Carrie snickered. Did you download Peter Gabriel just for me? Yeah, well, couldn't find a boombox, Joe said, sounding almost disappointed with herself. I know you love that John Hughes shit. Carrie smiled, turning to look in the back. Afternoon, Dr. Q. New glasses? Harley asked from where her wheelchair was strapped to the floor. Carrie's a huge Rachel Maddow fan, Ma, Joe winked, pulling out of the driveway. Hey, who isn't? Harley's question was rhetorical and she offered a kind-hearted smile, which Carrie gratefully returned before pulling her attention back to the front seat. What are we doing at Ikea? she asked. Joe sighed. Buying everything in triplicate. Thank God we're rich as shit. Carrie didn't try to hide her surprise. You're keeping them all? Groaning, Joe said, please don't remind me. Damien insisted on naming the boy, Terence, and obviously that's not going to work as the name of my only fucking child. I mean, Terry's kinda cute, so fine, but then he said I could name the girl but the idea of aborting one of them was just, like, I don't know, felt like too much of a dick move. So yeah, Jolene I, Quinzel, cause of death suffocated beneath her mass of children at the age of 25. Remember when I suggested you get a dog? Harley asked. You should have gotten a dog. Yes, thank you, mother, for your undying love and support, Joe dryly retorted. Long story short, you ready to be a godmother, Care Bear? I, I guess, Carrie mumbled. She'd never, not in a million years, thought Joe would go through with this whole thing. She'd honestly assumed she and Damien would end up childless like Babs and Dick. Not that she didn't think Joe had the ability to be a good mom, no, that was in there somewhere, but this was all moving rather fast. Seemed like not too long ago Joe was putting on her Batgirl suit for the first time, pissing Damien off by managing to push every one of his buttons. Now they were married, they were having children, and it, well. Carrie supposed it would take some getting used to. In the meantime, though, her stomach had tied itself into knots and she wasn't totally sure why. And I already bought the overalls, so don't worry about that. 
Carrie blinked, realizing Joe was talking again. So what do you say? Joe prompted, grinning. You in? What? For Ikea? Well, yeah, I'm already in the car. For the 80s painting montage, Harley helped her out. Hey now, Joe laughed. We're not married, you don't get to ignore me, I have a husband for that. Sorry, Carrie apologized, her face hot. An 80s what? Painting montage, Joe informed her. We're gonna paint the nursery in overalls while listening to 80s music because I got an entire five hours of sleep, don't have to get on a plane or cut a single ribbon today, and Damien's at work so I can do whatever stupid shit suits my fancy. Harley raised her fist in the air. Housewives revolt. Hell yeah, Joe agreed, reaching back to give her mom a first bump. And don't worry, Carrie, work wives totally count. I, thanks, Carrie smiled softly. She liked feeling included, and Dr. Q had always made it a point to help her feel comfortable and at home when she was around them. Everybody, Anthony, Joe, even Dr. Isley. Not that Carrie didn't love her Rayall family, meaning Bruce and Selena and Damien and the rest of them. They were the best. But Dr. Q was like that cool aunt everyone secretly wished was their mom instead. She gave away hugs for free, just because. Selena. Hugged sometimes too, but only when she knew Carrie really needed it. Which was fine, really, but, Dr. Q's hugs were the best. And she made everyone so happy. Like Dr. Isley. She was sorta, prickly, but a few times growing up Carrie had overheard conversations only meant for her and her wife and they just, made her happy. Joe and Anthony were the same way. They could make people happy with just a smile or a touch or a chuckle, they were magic. The way they talked, the way they, were. Anthony was smart, but never made you feel stupid, and Joe was, well, her voice sounded like Pamela's. Smooth and velvety, but she spoke with Harley's cadence, so everything came out in an excited frenzy. Her mind worked quickly, like Damien's did. Carrie used to like listening to them talk to each other back when it was just teasing, until every conversation ended in a lip bite and a crooked finger, or worse, a suddenly passionate makeout session. Carrie tended to just awkwardly slink away once those started. Why do you even know this song? Harley was laughing. You were born in 2013. Because it's been used by every writer ever to hammer home the most obvious point possible, or it will be by this one, at least, Joe turned the radio up, singing along, you know I feel so dirty when they start talking, cute slash I wanna tell her that I love her but the point is probably mute. Stopping at a red light, she pulled her sunglasses down to the tip of her nose, dramatically tossing her hair as she turned to Carrie. And she's watching him with those eyes slash and she's loving him with that body I just know it. I wonder if they have this song in alternate universes. Harley remarked. Where can I find a woman like that? Joe turned the radio down again. Why? Because I want to change the lyrics to Joker's Girl and send it to all the sad ivies out there, Harley chuckled. Carrie attempted to shake off the blush in her cheeks to say, what do you mean? Oh, it's, uh, so evidently there are other worlds and universes out there where different versions of us exist, Joe explained the joke after laughing at it. And in more than a few the mistress of malpractice back there is fucking the joker with poison ivy as her side chick. W, what? 
Carrie felt oddly offended on Dr. Isley's behalf. The Joker? Wasn't he the psycho that paralyzed you? Emicham, in this universe, Harley acknowledged. In the other ones I guess Barbara is the one in the wheelchair. That's, no, Carrie shook her head. God, why, Dr. Q? Harley laughed. Don't look at me. I can only control what happens in this universe. And really, I can't even do that, obviously, she gestured to her immobile legs. Scandalized, Carrie turned back around, her eyes glazing over in thought as Joe pulled into the handicapped parking spot. What about this one? Harley asked some time later, pointing to the white crib on display in front of them. It looks, safe. Mmm. Joe narrowed her eyes critically. No. Harley had lost her patience four cribs ago. Why? Joe pointed at the area she was having an issue with. Butterflies. I don't like them. I don't want M painted on my kid's crib. Have you ever seen a close-up picture of a butterfly's face, Ma? Shit will give you nightmares. I'm already probably gonna be a subpar mother anyway, I don't need to add butterfly nightmares to their plates. Harley scoffed. Joe, they're cartoons. Yeah, sure, Joe granted. And like a lot of other things, the cartoon version is clearly the best. But in this context, I can't support it. I just can't. How about this one? Carrie proposed. Look, it comes in different colors, red, green, pink, purple, that's cool, right? I mean, it'll help you tell them apart in case they look too much alike. Ha! Huh. I love it, Joe laughed, leaning down to kiss Carrie on the cheek. It was hard sometimes, for Carrie to explain what it felt like to be around Joe. You really had to share a space with her to completely understand, but when she looked at you it felt like, sunshine. And when she smiled at you, you'd have to force yourself not to reach for a camera. Her smiles were so, practiced, so pristine, her teeth so straight and so white. It was different than Harley's, Carrie noticed. She'd seen enough of Dr. Q's real smiles to know when she was faking it. It was pretty easy, actually. There was something a bit, unsettling about her feigned happiness. It was maniacal, in a way, the happiness painted on her lips but never reaching her eyes, their blue icy and cold. But Joe, there was no way to tell the difference. Her eyes would light up just the same if she wanted to kiss you or stab you. Maybe that's why some people were scared of her. She had no tell, she was an actress, above all else, one like Poison Ivy, the difference being that Joe was never too proud to accept a role rather than establish it, and as a result, she was a more versatile performer. To know Joe was to love her, and if you couldn't love her then your respect for her was still implied. She was King Midas, with a single brush of her skin or squeeze of your hand she could make anyone feel like gold. Feel seen, feel important. It was a very special superpower indeed, and Carrie knew she wasn't the only one affected. Damien, angry, angst-ridden, unpleasant, closed-off, closed-minded Damien Wayne was, different now. Joe had done that. She'd waltzed in and with a look, a smile and a touch he was her Damien. And that was just as well, Carrie decided. Damien had crafted wings in the form of walls to hide his heart, ones that melted only enough to make them transparent as he flew closer to the sun. Carrie didn't have any walls, she never did. 
she wasn't strong enough to make the journey. So she watched instead, from afar, or from right beside her. Joe was her friend, and despite the deep blushes, sweaty palms, pangs of jealousy, or instinct to only stare at her lips as she spoke Carrie experienced at times like this, when they occupied the same space, that's all she would ever be. And that was, fine. That was good. Yes, when Carrie pictured that person she wanted to be with, it more often than not bore a striking resemblance to Joe, but it was a fantasy. That's all it would ever be and that's all Carrie would ever want it to be. Joe was her friend. She didn't have many friends, and female friendships felt extra special. But there were other reasons too, like Carrie wasn't even gay. Okay, yeah, fine, Carrie was gay. And every single person in her life seemed to have realized that fact before her. And it wasn't like Carrie hadn't been exposed to the gay lifestyle or whatever, in fact, from her experience, it looked a whole hell of a lot like the straight lifestyle. But it was like, Carrie didn't know how to get there. Harleen and Pamela had been happily married for all the time she'd known them. With two kids and a big house and nice cars and perfect hair, they'd made it seem so simple, like you just know, like it just was what it was. But Carrie was struggling. Her parents, they'd neglected her, left her starving and to her own devices. They'd only had one room in that shitty apartment in central Gotham, and her parents hadn't been, well, they hadn't been sh she'd seen, even now it made her sick to her stomach. But that was, that was what a relationship had looked like to her. Before Bruce and Selena, of course. They'd saved her, and they were, affectionate, yes, but also private, and after Steph died, Carrie was the only girl in the house, aside from Selena, and, it was confusing. So maybe it wasn't just Joe Carrie was enamored with. Maybe it was the whole Quinzel family, their dynamic, their lifestyle, their, warmth. Carrie. She blinked. Caroline, Harleen said, squeezing her hand in an attempt to get her attention. Honey, are you crying? Carrie wiped her eyes with her free hand and found that, yeah, she was. Thank God Joe was nowhere around otherwise she would die of embarrassment. Are you okay? Harleen asked. Carrie looked down at the woman in the wheelchair at a face she'd watched age before her eyes. Slowly, yes, but Harleen was older now. There was no denying that, no hiding from it, Carrie had been staring at that same expectant expression from the couch in her office for 18 years now. Shaking her head, Carrie said, no. Which seemed to surprise Harley. It must have been one of those rhetorical are you okays, that you were supposed to answer, yes, to. But no, Carrie wasn't okay, and yeah, Maybe they weren't in her office, but Dr. Q was still her therapist, right? No, I don't think I'm okay, Dr. Q. Carrie admitted. I feel like somebody pressed pause on my life, but time is still going by. I'm 30 tomorrow, but if somebody told me I was turning 20 instead I wouldn't even question it. Harleen nodded slowly. Who do you think pressed pause? Carrie shrugged. Me, I guess. I'm in a, suspended state of adolescence. Harleen laughed. I like that. If you want to binge watch Arrested Development, we've got the whole series at home. She squeezed Carrie's hand again, her expression changing to sincerity as she said, the best way to move forward is to clear your path, kiddo. How? 
Mmm, I suggest dynamite, Harley winked. Carrie smiled at that, a small weight lifting off of her chest. Some help you guys are, Joe was coming back up the aisle, carrying a large box on her shoulder. The fact that this fucking store hasn't gone digital is just, it's 2038, she dropped the box with a loud thunk. What's the holdup? Jolene Quinzel. Joe and Carrie whipped around to face the sound, finding a blonde woman smiling broadly at the other end of the aisle. Should I say it louder for the people in the back, the woman asked, playfully arching an eyebrow. Holy shit, Joe nearly doubled over laughing. Olympic silver medalist Courtney Whitmore? Can you sign my tape? Courtney grinned as she approached them. Make fun of me all you want, that tape is framed on my wall right next to my medal. Joe chuckled, pulling her into a hug. That's far too kind. Well, I wouldn't have been there in the first place if you hadn't. Courtney trailed off awkwardly, realizing too late what she was saying. Been diagnosed with cancer? Joe smirked. Yeah, hey, lucky you. Did you, uh, get my flowers? Courtney asked, blushing the same way that Carrie did around Joe. I sent them as soon as I heard. Well, that was ten years ago, Joe smiled, patting her on the shoulder. But I'm sure I did. My bad if I didn't send a thank you card, I had a lot of self-pity to wallow in back then. Anyway, you look great. Courtney glanced down at her shoes. Yes, well, I, I saw you got married, meaning it, uh, it suits you. You look all grown up. I see you in magazines sometimes. It's all Photoshop, Joe assured her. But I'm being rude. Courtney, this is my mother, Harleen, and my cousin, Carrie. Guys, this is Courtney. She took my spot on the Olympic team, remember? And made out with you in the hallway, Harley added. That too, Joe laughed. Carrie knew it was her turn to respond, but her throat felt like she'd been wandering around in the desert for a week. It was so dry, and she was sure her blush was so severe at this point they were likely having a hard time discerning her face from her hair. H, hi, she eventually managed to sputter out. Joe raised an eyebrow at Carrie's odd behavior, but chose to move on. So what brings you to this hellhole? Courtney shifted uncomfortably. I relocated here a while back, but my, um, housing situation changed recently, she admitted. I'm in need of new furnishings. Emicham. Joe's eyes were narrowed suspiciously. Well I sincerely hope you broke up with her. The blonde cleared her throat. I did not. Then she's an idiot, Carrie said quickly, out loud. Fuck. No. The others turned to her surprised, and Carrie was desperate to recover. I just mean, you're, very pretty and, you know, an Olympian and stuff. Smooth, Joe laughed. Well, I'd love to catch up further, but I've got a meeting in a bit. Actually, though, we're having a party tomorrow at Wayne Manor, more a family get-together, really. Carrie's turning 30, she squeezed the redhead's shoulders. You should come. It should just be me, my brother and sister, my mother, Carrie, her parents and her brother, I'm sorry, I mean my husband, Joe laughed. That's an odd way to refer to him. I mean, it's true, but still. Courtney looked somewhere between surprised and excited. I, yes. 
I'd love to come. Awesome, Joe smiled. I left my phone at home, unfortunately, so you should probably give Carrie your number. She'll text you the details. Chapter 64 Joe slammed around the corner, letting off the gas until halfway through her turn where she then accelerated off of the side street. Any chance you can predict their route? They don't seem to know where they're going, Carrie remarked. Fine, Joe swerved to avoid a pedestrian. Remind me why Bruce made us take the guns off the car. You used them too liberally, Carrie reminded her. Best I can do is an, ah, uh, she squeaked, stopping mid-sentence. A what? Joe switched gears, passing a car who thought it might be fun to try and drag race with the Batmobile. What happened? Courtney sexed me. Carrie nearly screamed, absolutely scandalized. Wait, really? Joe giggled, realizing the car she was chasing had pretty impressive speed if it was still a block ahead of her. What is it? Top. Bottom. Tasteful or uncensored? Um, it's a uh, top, and tasteful, I guess. Joe narrowed her eyes within her cowl, turning a quick left towards the canal, knowing she'd intercept them eventually if they tried to lose her down there, which seemed the most likely option. One nipple or two? One. Okay, well, you're going to have to raise the stakes then, Joe said matter-of-factly, smiling as tail lights appeared up ahead of her. You mean, like, send something back? No, Caroline, I mean go over there, Joe told her. It's 2 a.m. She wants Lady D, obviously. There is no heterosexual explanation for what's going on here. Carrie could be heard choking into her headset. She can't just leave work, Damien's voice cut through the feed. Joe accelerated once more, the car jumping as she left the pavement in favor of the wooden planks of the docks. Her girlfriend sent a nipple, Damien. Of course she can. No, Joe. I can't, I don't even know how. Carrie was stammering. Joe was closing in quickly now, the Batmobile a superior all-terrain vehicle to the Ferrari she was chasing. Don't know what to do. Joe asked, setting the autopilot and opening the roof. I thought these fuckers flew around on playing cards, by the way. This car. Carrie was typing. Appears to be stolen. Joe shot her grappling gun at the car and it broke through the roof, securing itself enough so that Joe could yank herself out of the Batmobile and onto the Ferrari's back window. Is it Oral you're worried about? Well, I mean, yeah. Have you ever seen a, there, it's complicated. Joe rolled her eyes, rolling on the car's roof to avoid a bullet ripping upwards through the metal. Yes, Caroline. I've seen a vagina. I happen to have one, actually. Yeah, but, you gotta, you know, there are a lot of moving parts. Fair point, fair point, Joe granted armoring the left arm of her suit and sticking her finger in the bullet hole just in front of her face, attempting to pull enough of the metal back to plant a charge. How about you practice on M? No. Damien interrupted. What the hell, Jolene? That's my sister. Who says shit like that, honestly? Carrie was choking again. Well, maybe if you went down on me more often I wouldn't have to outsource the job to. She shoved the charge in the hole she'd help make, 
looking for a place to bail before detonation, except they were still going at least 90 mph, and that's when she realized it didn't look like the driver was planning to stop. So this should be fun. Joe, you know you're going swimming, she prompted. Yup. She switched her breather on, unhooking her right arm from where she'd tied it to the car as it launched off the dock and into the water. Damien groaned, turning his plane around and heading towards the canal. He saw the car sinking, but not Joe or the driver, so he quickly landed on the dock near the Batmobile and turned his breather on as well, jumping in after them. Visibility was low in the murky water, so he turned on the flashlight in his cowl and was immediately greeted by the mangled remains of the driver who must have smashed through the windshield upon impact. His body was stuck there now, wedged through the broken glass, gaping lacerations littering his body. The glowing green of Joe's mask caught his eye, and, like the car, she appeared to be sinking downwards. Joe physically couldn't get her body fat above about 15%, meaning buoyancy in a time like this was a pipe dream. Because she wasn't fighting for the surface, Damien was sure she was unconscious. He swam quickly, grabbing her around the waist and dragging her upwards towards the streetlights. Throwing her over his shoulder to climb up the ladder and out of the water, he switched to bridal style before laying her gently down on the hood of the Batmobile. Joe, he said, keying in her mask's manual override to expose her face. Her eyes were closed, her mouth opened slightly, so Damien opened his own mask and leaned forward to listen for her breathing and was grabbed behind the head and pulled down into a kiss. God damn it, he angrily pushed her away as she giggled. Fuck you. Seriously. Nah, I'll fuck you, though, she grinned, sitting up. Did you seriously think I couldn't swim? In what world would that make sense? Is she okay? Carrie asked desperately. She's fine, Damien spat. TSSS, Joe hissed, swiping a hand at him like a cat claw. Getting back to the task at hand, Care Bear, let her take the lead. Being a Wayne has been known to make up for some inadequacies in the bedroom. So remind her who's holding the checkbook, and enjoy yourself. Damien closed his mask once more, angrily shaking his head and mumbling, I can't believe you, as he started towards the Batplane. Joe watched him curiously. Sorry, Carrie. I guess I have to go. Evidently Damien would like to quarrel domestically. She shut off her headset, closing her mask as well and following after him. Hey, dude, what's your deal? Joe mentally ran through the past hour. I solicited his sister. No, that's not it. Nothing really out of the ordinary there. I led him to believe I was gravely injured. Mm, I mean, maybe? I insulted his bedroom performance. Yeah? No. That's not a funny fucking joke, Jolene. Not today. Shit, it's not our anniversary, is it? No, that's not until May. Is it his birthday? No, that's not until January. Um, I guess I'm sorry. Joe attempted. She wasn't exactly good at apologies to begin with. Especially when she didn't know what she was supposed to be apologizing for. You better grow the fuck up, Joe. He said, climbing into the cockpit. And fast. The roof closed over him before she could respond. Uh, alright, thanks, Dad, she said, flipping him the bird as he took off.
the process of shutting down the tanks was rather extensive. There was a cooling operation that needed to happen before the specimen could be removed, and working with three at once was rather stressful. Luckily Anthony was there to help. He was a quick learner and Pam trusted he would take care, as literal lives hung in the balance. Harley watched nervously over Pam's shoulder, and although Selena was sitting off to the side, Pam could feel her eyes on her back as well. Bruce was standing in the corner, leaning against his cane for support and nursing a cup of coffee, and Karen sat sleepily beside him, Duke pulled onto her lap, dozing against her chest. They heard the Batmobile before they saw it, and at that very moment, the roof opened as well and they all watched as the Batplane came to a soft landing. The Batmobile, on the other hand, screeched to a halt, Joe's mask retracting as soon as she jumped out of the driver's seat. Seriously? The silent treatment? Now who needs to grow up, she asked, annoyance evident in her tone. Damien flipped her off, stomping angrily up the stairs, and Joe looked like she was about to follow before she noticed the party of her loved ones down below the landing. Is this an intervention, she asked, leaning over the railing. Because now really isn't a good time. I'm all wet, and not in a fun way. What the hell are you talking about? Harley's voice echoed through the cave. Joe, quit messing around. We're all excited to meet them. To meet them. Joe repeated, seeming confused, before her eyes went wide with realization. Oh fuck. It's the 21st. Fuck, 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 she left the railing quickly, sprinting towards the stairs. Damien, babe, I'm, fuck. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Her voice faded away as she left the cave in favor of the main house. Harley frowned, turning to Pam. What just happened? Jolene is not a language I speak, Pam casually informed her, pulling the lever on the second tank to drain the manufactured amniotic fluid. Only English, Latin and French, I'm afraid. She probably forgot today was the day, Karen remarked with a yawn, encouraging Duke to slide off her lap. Only Joe could forget she's going to be a mother to triplets. Anthony scoffed. Come on, Karen. Even Joe isn't that inept. Raise your hand if you think Joe is that inept, Karen prompted. Pam was the first to raise her hand, followed by Bruce and then Selena, then a tentative Harleen Duke, likely because it was what everyone else was doing. Anthony shook his head, looking disappointed with all of them as he pulled the lever on the third tank just as Pam had the first and second. They only had to wait another moment before Damien appeared once more at the base of the staircase, now in civilian clothes, Joe not far behind him. You think it's funny to joke about leaving me alone with three newborns? He was asking, although the question sounded rhetorical. Have you ever heard of the boy who cried wolf, Joe? Next time it might be worse than a concussion. Jesus, could you be any more dramatic? Joe complained, following him down the flight of metal stairs to the lowest level where the lab equipment was housed. It's like, the idiest biddiest concussion. Seriously. The headache is already clearing up. That's not the point and you know it, Damien snapped, arriving to stand before the group of people who'd gathered. My apologies, he addressed them. My wife is a selfish imbecile. Uh, hey. A selfish imbecile with feelings, occasionally, Joe corrected, and then amended. 
But I am sorry. Damien's right, I'm an idiot. This is, I'm just so happy you're all here. Really means a lot. Her smile was both nervous and excited, just like it should be. Which helped Pam to breathe a sigh of relief. She's met the bare minimum of an appropriate response to the situation. That's really all we can ask. Damien's hands were clamped awkwardly to his sides, his face oddly stern. They haven't done anything wrong yet, Joe kindly reminded him in a whisper. Maybe try a smile? It took a moment and what looked like considerable effort, but he did pull his mouth upwards at the corners just slightly, enough to pass for a smile, if the viewer was generous. But that seemed to please Joe very much as she grinned wide enough for the both of them and took his hand in hers, wrenching it away from the tight grip he had on his own leg. Is Carrie coming? Pam asked, surprised that she wasn't already there. Joe cleared her throat. Not in the way you think. Carrie is taking some much-needed personal time. I'm sure she'll be happy to meet them when she gets back. Pam just nodded, understanding enough to move on. She gestured to Selena, who handed her one of the three soft towels she was holding, and all Pam could think about in that moment was how, 25 years ago, Selena had done the exact same thing, and Pam had pulled Joe out of the liquid. Her eyes had been so green and her skin so smooth, and Harley had been so happy. So happy to have a girl. A girl to follow in her footsteps. And Pam realized, in that moment, as she was about to hand her daughter her own child, that if given a chance, there was nothing about Jolene that she would change. Not a hair on her head. She remembered what a happy child Joe had been. Just, happy to be alive. Those kids were special. Those kids were rare. Those kids were, the ones that ended up like Pamela, or Harleen, or Jolene, their paths hadn't been easy, nor were they ever meant to be, really, but it had been some time since any of them had allowed their struggles to eclipse their greatness. And that's all Pamela could hope for Joe moving forward. That she performs to her potential. That she made the effort. They'd made more than a few mistakes with Joe. Pam, surprisingly, wasn't too proud to admit that. But they'd loved her, and they'd tried. Every day, they'd tried their best. And Joe was still here. Despite the turmoil, the anger, the arguments, Joe was still here. And in 25 years, Pam hoped Joe's daughters would still be here too. Her son as well. She hoped she'd someday be wiping the fluid away from their children's mouths handing her grandchildren crying bundles just as she had her children. Delilah. Joe was smiling proudly down at the baby in her arms, blue-eyed, for the moment, with lightly tanned skin, a few shades lighter than Damien's, but at least a shade darker than Joe's. And, Daisy, she leaned over to kiss the nearly identical baby Selena was reverently holding in her arms. You guys said. It used to calm me down when I played my song. Figured we need all the help we can get. Plain white tees, Anne. Anthony narrowed his eyes in concentration. Leon Bridges? I'd hand you $100 if I knew you weren't just gonna spend it on action figures, Joe chuckled, turning her attention to Pam who was now holding the crying boy in her arms, suctioning the excess mucus from his lungs as gently as she could. That's Terry, Joe grinned. Right, babe? All eyes were on Damien now as he shifted uncomfortably in the corner, looking like he desperately wanted to avert his gaze. Would you like to hold him? 
Pam asked, softening her tone at Damien's obvious trepidation. You won't break him. You don't know that, was Damien's mumbled reply. Joe looked him over, seeming to assess the situation, reading her husband's body language as best she could. Eventually, she lowered Delilah into Harley's arms and crossed to Pam, taking Terry from her. With the baby in her arms, she said, maybe let's try sitting down first. Karen took her cue, getting up immediately and clearing the space, taking Duke with her to watch the ordeal from a different vantage point. Tentatively, never breaking eye contact with Joe, Damien came to occupy the seat Karen had abandoned, though there was still nothing relaxed about his body language. Regardless, Joe closed the space between them with the baby in her arms, coming to kneel in front of him so her chest was level with his lap. Terry's cry suddenly turned desperate, but Joe kept up her calm and encouraging smile. I think that means he wants to meet his dad. Slowly, Damien unfolded his arms, and Joe leaned forward, pressing the baby gently to his chest, and guiding Damien's hands to support the boy's head and rear. Terence looked the most like Damien in terms of complexion, and he already had dark patches of hair sprouting from his head. Like the girls, his eyes were also blue, meaning none of them had the same outward signs of plant heritage that Duke did. No, Terence was a Wayne, that much was certain. Through and through, he was Damien's son. Though Pam could still see Joe, even now, this early. She could see her full lips and the round cheeks she'd now grown out of. Look at that, Joe grinned, cupping Damien's face in her hands. You're a natural. A natural he was not, but the smile he gave her in return, the terrified, genuine smile, told Pam he might just believe it. Placebo confidence, the Jolene Quinzel effect. But far better than Damien's smile was Bruce's. Bruce and Selena's. Bruce moved forward, patting Damien both proudly and reassuringly on the shoulder. He'd made mistakes too, Pam realized. Plenty of them, with all the children he'd collected over the years. But he'd loved them. Pam could see that. Pam had always been able to see that. It came out gruff or sideways sometimes, but at the end of the day, Dick was just as much his child as Carrie was just as much his child and Tim was just as much his child as Damien was just as much his child as Stephanie had been his child. And now Bruce would be. Given the chance to see his son falter or excel just as Harley and Pam had, and just as they would. And they were all here for it together, which sounded so, strange. Such a unique detour from anything Pam had planned. Batman, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, Batwoman, another Batman, and another Batgirl. What strange company I keep, Pam thought as a smile spread over her lips. Chapter 65 Pam exhaled with discernible annoyance, rolling over to grab some reading material off the nightstand. Harley thought she'd try to prop herself up on her elbow, before she decided it wasn't worth it, as Pam had already snugly tucked her in and her pillow was fluffed just right. Whatcha reading, she asked. Botanical Journal of the Linnean Society, Pam distractedly recited, flipping the page. Um, why? Because it's interesting, was Pam's curt response. Oh, Harley nodded subtly. How about you read it out loud then? If it's interesting. You won't find it interesting. Try me, Harley steeled her resolve, looking over at Pam with determination. Right here, right now, 
I will take interest in her interests. Pam sighed again before lightly clearing her throat and starting mid-passage, the origin of flowers, for instance, ostensibly requires the concerted function of various MADS box transcription factor complexes, and the evolution of such transcription factors has been attributed to ancient, i.e. as a result of paleopolyploidy, and recent gene-specific duplications, with subsequent subfunctionalization of paralogous gene copies. Oh my god, Harley snatched the journal away from her, throwing it off the bed and towards the door. That was awful. I just aged another ten years listening to that. Please don't ever read out loud again. Pam rolled her eyes. You know, I really hate it when you do that, Harlene. I really fucking hate it. Pamela, language. Harley scolded. Be honest, how many times have you read that article? Because I happen to know that journal's three months old. Pam just shook her head, staring up at the ceiling. She's not sleeping, Harley. The blonde narrowed her eyes. Are we, referring to ourselves in the third person now? Because, I'd really rather we didn't. They just cry all night long, Pam murmured, rolling onto her side away from Harley. There's too many of them. She's outnumbered. She wasn't ready. Oh, you're talking about Joe, Harley realized. Hey, wait, are you spying on Joe? She reached over to wave a hand in front of Pam's face. Are you even here right now? The redhead pushed her hand away. If she didn't want me to spy, she shouldn't have left the plant in their room. Pamela, that's ridiculous, Harley informed her, sincerely wishing she could sit up so her talking came off sterner. She has autonomy. She's a grown woman. Leave her alone. She's suffering, Harleen, Pam mumbled delivering her words to the wall. She's alone, and she's suffering, and you'll never understand to what degree. Okay, Harley was preemptively defensive. What the hell does that mean? Anthony was easy and you weren't there for Joe, Pam told her, plainly, like it was a fact rather than an argument. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Okay, now Harley had to sit up. Pam turned at her exasperated grunting, automatically putting her hand behind her back to help her. No, I don't think so, Harley slapped it away. Say that shit to my face, Pamela. Anthony was an easy baby, Pam repeated, slower. And you weren't there for Joe. I wasn't there for Joe. Harley's anger was mounting quickly. Is that seriously how you remember it? I quit my fucking job for you. For us. I gave up my fucking career at 38 years old. You remember that little tidbit, right? Or is your memory seriously that selective? No, Pam shook her head, considerably calmer than Harley at this point. I remember that. I also remember you leaving me with the children every night to work for Bruce. W.H., the balls on this woman. I was doing my duty. Following through on my promises. Some feminist you are, guilt-tripping me for wanting to keep working. How dare you, actually. Especially since you were gone all fucking day. That was the point of our trade. Sorry that Joe was more of a bitch at night. That's not my fault. Did I ever, for a second, claim that it was? Pam wanted to know, heating up a bit. What time is it, Harleen, she pointed at the clock. It's midnight. 
you would have been gone by now. Just like Damien is gone. That's the parallel I'm referencing. Though you are awfully defensive. I'm defensive because you're attacking me. That's false. Absolutely. Categorically false, Pam pushed the blankets away to get out of bed. I would never demonize you for working. Never. And the insinuation that I would is disgusting, frankly. Also, she was standing now. Don't call me a bad feminist just because you're angry. There is nothing more important or integral to my identity than that ideology. There were few things Harley disliked about her wife more than the woman's ability to say inflammatory statements with absolute emotional detachment, and then somehow turn it back around on Harley. Where are you going? To call Selena, Pam said, pulling on a bathrobe. Cass, Carrie and Karen all agreed to cover for them so that both Damien and Joe could take parental leave. There's absolutely no reason for Damien not to be helping her right now, aside from cowardice, of course. Pam, stop. Joe's gotta learn how to take care of it on her own. You constantly intervening when she's struggling isn't helping anyone. Harley told her, her delivery matter-of-fact and more stable than the anger she displayed earlier. Pam did stop, but it clearly wasn't for the reason Harley wanted. Oh, I'm sorry, Harlene, are we in need of a refresher about the last time you encouraged me to let our daughter make her own mistakes? If you ever rebrand yourself, I suggest, condescension girl. I had to go to her apartment and dispose of her boyfriend's remains, Pam reminded her. The one whose head she smashed in with a crowbar. You know, I don't remember you spying on Anthony like this, Harley remarked. Because I trust Anthony, Pam told her. He's given me every reason to, for his entire existence. What incentive has Jolene ever provided us? Maybe it's time to give her the benefit of the doubt, Harley suggested. She loves those kids. Can't see her smashing their heads in with a crowbar. She's grown up a lot, Pam. And we gave her every tool she could ever want. All she needs to do is pick up the phone. Joe knows that. And speaking of that body, by the way, she didn't try to dispose of it herself. She called you. She comes home when she needs to and she's willing to admit when she's made a mistake. She's better at that than both of us. Don't call Selena, babe, Harley softened. Joe will land on her feet. It's what she's best at. Morning, Selena greeted over her coffee mug, her eyes glued to the news. Joe didn't respond, just headed straight for the coffee pot. Amateurs, Selena muttered at the story about the attempted jewel heist downtown. Never get old, Jolene, she sighed. It'll take all the fun out of life. Stop you from doing things you love. I'll keep that in mind, Joe mumbled, setting her coffee mug harshly down on the table, spilling at least a quarter of it. Fuckin', B, she snatched the kitchen. Towel from in front of Selena and sopped up the mess before tossing it aside and then full-on slamming her head down on the table. Oh my god. Selena jumped in surprise. Joe, are you okay? The younger woman raised her head once more, wearing an oddly placid smile. Super duper, trooper. You look terrible, Selena realized. Ha, huh, that's so funny. I feel terrible too, hmm. She looked wistfully out the window. Crazy how that works.
Selena was studying her closer now, moving from intrigued to concerned. You've lost weight. Mm, Joe acknowledged, drinking her coffee black. Turns out being a single parent to triplets is a real calorie burner. Jolene, you're not a single parent, Selena reminded her, an eyebrow arched. You're married to Damien. Oh, am I? Joe laughed, humorlessly. So where is he, then? She raised her arms, gesturing to the greater kitchen. Did he get his hands on a fucking invisibility cloak? Because I don't see him. Is he, not in bed? Now Selena was confused. She could have sworn she'd heard him come home last night. Nope, Joe revealed, essentially gulping her coffee at this point. Hasn't been for the last week. Came home for lunch yesterday, spent a combined eight minutes with the kids, six of which he devoted to Terry. Then he left. He had to check on something at the office or whatever. Asshole, she muttered, getting up to pour. Herself another cup. You think adding some weed killer to this would mimic the effects of alcohol? Jolene, you need to eat something, Selena told her, getting up as well and following her back to the counter. I'm serious. You've got some nice cheekbones, kid, but you're looking downright gaunt. And when was the last time you were outside? Why are you so pale? Don't plants need sunlight? Appreciate your concern, Joe replied distractedly, crossing the kitchen to the fridge where she pulled out three bottles full of the growth formula Pam provided. God, I still have nightmares about this shit. Tastes like cough medicine on steroids with a dirt chaser. Joe, the kids can wait, Selena grabbed a muffin from the plate on the counter, holding it out to her. Eat this. Before you feed them. Please. Uh, no thanks. I already have a mom, Selena, Joe informed her. Two, actually. I get that you're, MFF. Yeah, I don't feel like tap dancing, kiddo, Selena said after shoving the muffin roughly into her mouth. You're going to eat the carbohydrates and you're going to enjoy them. Then I'm going to take the kids to your parents, you're going to take a shower, and you're going to talk to your husband because of this. She gestured to Joe's strung-out aesthetic. Isn't a good look for you. Joe squinted, running a hand through her greasy hair, her mouth still half full. This isn't doing it for ya? No, Selena handed her the muffin. So how about me and you end that complacent father trope, huh? We both know Damien's just a little boy with mommy issues behind that chiseled jawline, just like Bruce. And you're a sarcastic bitch with a heart of gold, like me. So. Joe swallowed a mouthful of muffin. What are you? imparting wisdom or something. That's what old women do, isn't it? Can I buy you a rocking chair? Fuck no. Hair washed, makeup applied, and dressed in a tight skirt and a nice blouse, Joe headed for the office, in Damien's most expensive car because fuck him. The bright afternoon sun hurt her eyes, and her grip on the wheel felt weak, but she was determined. Selena was right. This was unacceptable. Leaving me at home with three fucking kids like I'm some sorta, woman who isn't me. I'm Poison Ivy's goddamn daughter. I don't have to take this shit. Trapped in that room, pacing the fucking floor, crying, talking to myself, not whispering, full-on frickin' talking. Bitch, I don't belong in Arkham. That shit's on him. You're my best friend, 
Jolene. Marry me, Jolene. Let's have kids, Jolene. I'm not about to repeat my parents' mistakes, Jolene. Bullshit. Fucking men, I swear to God. I'm Jolene Quinzel. Good afternoon, Mrs. Wayne, the security guard at the front gate greeted. Fine, I'm Jolene Wayne, but that will never not sound stupid. Good afternoon, Reggie, Joe smiled back, pushing her sunglasses on top of her head. Just bringing my husband lunch, she held up the paper bag from the passenger seat. You're a good woman, Mrs. Wayne, he remarked as he opened the gate for her. Ah, I really am, aren't I? She moved her sunglasses back into place and sped into Wayne Enterprises' private lot, taking one of Damien's two reserved spots and heading immediately for the elevators, clutching the paper bag in her hand. Jolene. Luke greeted almost immediately upon the elevator opening at the top floor. My gosh, she put a hand over her heart. Luke Fox himself? And here I thought I'd have to talk my way past a secretary. Nah, we pull out all the stops for you, he chuckled warmly. Reggie told me you were heading up, thought I'd say hello. Well it's great to see you, she smiled. How's Tiffany? A straight-A student this semester, if you can believe it. Ah, uh, I sure can, Joe assured him, maintaining her good-natured expression while she changed the subject, say, you wouldn't happen to know where my husband is, would you? I got a babysitter and... Right. How are the kids? Luke interrupted to ask, his muscular form planted firmly in front of her. Three, that must be a handful. Got any pictures? Oof. Her smile turned a little cooler as realization dawned. You were doing so well, Luke. But I'm not an idiot, sweetheart. No one asks to see baby. Pictures. Looking at photos of other people's children is a civic duty we all perform to maintain social connections, unless the kid is, I don't know, wearing a sombrero and a fake mustache or cuddling with a puppy, which mine are not. I'm going to guess Damien was also made aware of my arrival, and because he's been avoiding me for some time now, sent you out to intercept me. Ha, huh, well, Joe, see. Luke was attempting to stay in character, but it was a poor attempt. You'll get M next time, Tiger, she pat him sympathetically on the arm. Now where can I find the cowardly lion? In his office? Or is he in a, a meeting, dot? He's absolutely swamped Joe, Luke said with his mouth, while subtly gesturing to the glass-walled office behind him, where Damien had rolled his chair into the furthest corner. Ah, thank you, she said. I'm going to angrily brush past you now so he knows you tried your best. Always great to see you. Come to dinner sometime, meet the kids in person. I'll have to take you up on that, he smiled as, true to her word, she pushed past him, making a beeline for Damien's office. Didn't Luke tell you I was busy? Damien asked once the door had swung shut behind her. Nice try, asshole, she said, wearing an expression that didn't match her words in the slightest. An expression that would communicate happiness to the onlookers who could plainly see them through the clear walls of the office. You're not getting rid of me that easily. Damien glanced outside, catching his receptionist's eye, who was pretending not to be watching. Did you actually bring me lunch? Yep, Joe smiled, setting the bag down on his desk. It's a steak. Kobe beef, 
medium rare, and I slathered it in ketchup. You what? Damien gritted, attempting to mask his horror. I put ketchup on a $75 steak, Joe reiterated, taking the container out of the bag and pulling back the lid so that he could witness the carnage. And I would very much like you to eat it, in front of me. Right now, preferably. I'm not going to. Joe leaned over the desk. Eat the fucking steak, Damien. It's your penance for promising me we'd enter this stage of our lives together, and then immediately abandoning me. So, how about you take your punishment like a man, huh? She slid him the utensils she'd brought for him, all plastic. I didn't abandon you, he mumbled, grabbing the knife and fork from her. I had to come back to work. No you didn't, she managed to snap at him, while somehow maintaining her warm smile. You told me we'd have eight weeks for it to just be the five of us. It's only been six, and you've been gone for the last three. Completely MIA. Damien cringed as he took his first bite, chewing as quickly as he could and then swallowing it down. They needed me here. No, I need you, she sat down in the chair in front of his desk. At home. With the three fucking infants we now get to call ours. Oh joy. I thought you liked the kids. You thought I, Joe was actually taken aback. Of course I like the kids, idiot. They're my kids. I love the kids. But that doesn't mean you can just leave me alone to do the woman's work or whatever. I agreed to this because I was under. The impression that you were actually going to help out. My mother is poison ivy, and she still managed to make time to co-parent with her wife. Why? Aren't. You. At. Home. Damien cleared his throat, sitting back away from the stake, but staring at it nonetheless. They, cry, when I hold them. They always cry. Especially the girls, especially Delilah. They, you're better at it. They want you. It took a moment for Joe to respond, as she hadn't expected him to get vulnerable this quickly. Well. She began. I don't really care what they want, honestly. They're six weeks old. She reminded him. Can I tell you the truth? About what? About me, Joe prefaced. Damien, I'm not, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm not, stable. I am overworked, overstressed, and I snap, Damien. I've been known to snap. And when I snap, I do things I regret. I don't feel comfortable being left alone with the kids in continually stressful situations. Damien didn't reply, just swallowed, so Joe continued. This isn't a cry for help. This is me sitting here, in front of my husband, telling him that he needs to come home. Her peppy demeanor was beginning to droop. I can't do the single parent thing. I'm just not built for it. And right now, I'm only six weeks in and barely hanging on. The kids need their father, she told them. Not a nanny, and not me when I'm like this, when I'm unpredictable. Don't be an absent parent, she pleaded. This is exactly the kind of shit that I was worried about you repeating. You have to do better. You have to be there for me, and you have to be there for the kids or else I'm going to move back in with my parents. That's not a threat, and I'm not saying that because I don't love you, I do, Damien. I really fucking do, it's just the reality of the situation. 
I can't do this alone. So you need to step up, or we need to make a different arrangement. What? No. You can't just leave. Damien was suddenly desperate, angry, those abandonment issues rearing their ugly head. You can't just, just pack up and leave because we're fighting. That's, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous and immature. Damien, Joe sat forward, tears gathering in her eyes despite herself. Please. I'm trying to be better and do better, but it's like everyone keeps shoveling sand on top of me. I can't breathe and I'm overwhelmed and I'm suffocating and I hate my life and I hate the kids and I hate you right now, honestly. And that's not right. That's not what a mother is supposed to be. That's not what my parents were, and I still turned out like this. You just said you loved them and you loved me, Damien's throat was full of the emotion he couldn't express with words. Stop contradicting yourself. Joe got up from her chair, smoothing down the lines in her skirt. I really hope I see you at home tonight. Then she cleared her throat. Enjoy your steak. Chapter 66 Pamela fastened the mandarin collar on her jacket, wrapped her hair up in a high bun and descended the stairs for the third time that morning, checking her watch with each step. Harley had been unduly stubborn with their morning routine, hanging like a dead weight when Pam moved her from her chair to the shower, refusing to let Pam touch her hair, being indecisive with her outfit, it had been exhausting, and honestly reminded her a lot of having to rally Joe and Anthony for school when they were little, and now Pam was late. Harl, have you seen my keys? Pam asked after not finding them in their usual place on the table near the front door. Nope. Harley answered plainly from where she was grazing on a bowl of cereal in the kitchen. After a few more moments of searching and coming up empty, Pam looked over at Harley, where she immediately located the keys as they were sitting right in front of Harley on the counter. Honey, they're right there, Pam pointed. Oh. Harley prompted rhetorically, making no moves to help Pam get out the door any faster. Ah, uh, yes, Pam acknowledged, snatching the keys off the counter. I see. You're still upset with me over our disagreement last night and you're passive-aggressively punishing me by methods of extreme unhelpfulness. Harley smiled condescendingly. You know me so well. Should I attempt a kiss goodbye or will you just turn your face away? Harley leaned over her chair, offering her cheek, but made a pointed evasive maneuver just before Pam's lips made contact. Pam rolled her eyes, shaking her head and grabbing her purse. I should be back around five or so. Call Anthony if you need anything. But just as Pam was reaching for the door handle, the bell rang, startling her rather severely. It was only 8.30 in the morning. Who rang doorbells at 8.30 in the morning? Going through her mental list, Joe was fairly close to the top, so it wasn't terribly surprising to see her standing there on the front porch, her children strapped into a stroller. Shit, something like realization dawned on the younger woman's face. I'm sorry, I should've called. You're headed to work. I am, Pam confirmed, as Harley yelled, who is it, from inside. It's Joe. Pam shouted behind her before stepping outside and closing the door. What are you doing here, she didn't mean to sound unkind, she was just late. I'm, well, I'd like to sleep, Joe admitted. I don't, get to sleep anymore and, um, my body hurts. Pam was confused. You want to sleep here? 
I, yeah, Joe nodded. I, Pam honestly wasn't sure if her daughter's voice was raspy from crying or exhaustion, but she didn't exactly look well. I asked Damien to make a choice and to come home and he, he didn't choose me and now it's like my chest hurts, and I'm so angry and I just, I'm tired. He didn't choose you? Pam asked for clarification. But Joe just shook her head, her bottom lip quivering and her words coming out in a strangled whisper. I chose him, mom. I, look, she indicated to her children. He wanted them. Remember? He wanted them. And then he made all these promises and said we'd do it together and he'd be there for me and for them and then, she wiped her eyes, which had begun to fill with tears. He didn't come home. Pam nodded slowly, the picture beginning to come into focus. With a tentative step, she moved forward, cupping Joe's face in her hands before wrapping an arm around the back of her neck and pulling her into a hug. Joe braced against the contact at first, her body rigid, like the touch of another person was somehow foreign. Pam understood that better than anyone, and she could feel Joe's heart beating against her chest as she held her close. Pam felt the shoulder of her jacket become wet where Joe was resting her head, and as the small tremors of silent sobs vibrated through her body, finally she returned Pam's embrace, gripping her far tighter than Pam was holding her. I'll call Anthony, Pam told her, her tone gentle. And he and your mother will watch the children while you get some rest. And Jolene? She separated so that she could look her daughter in the eyes once more their green glistening like moss-covered river rocks below the surface of a lagging stream. Asking for help makes you a good mother, not a bad one. No, I, I hate him, sometimes, Mom, Joe cried. Oh, darling, Pam chuckled, running a hand lovingly through her daughter's hair. I hate you to this very day. Yeah, yeah, Joe smiled through her tears, sloppily wiping her eyes. I'm the worst, I already know. No, Pam shook her head. You, Jolene, are just about my favorite thing on the planet. And, honestly, it's perfect that you came. Your mother is extremely cross with me at the moment, and nothing brightens her day like getting to see her grandkids. Really, you're doing me a favor. Damien trudged into the shuttle, feeling like his feet were dried into cinder blocks, each step heavier than the last. He just, he needed to be here. He needed to be Batman. Batman was easy. Batman made sense. He was good at being Batman, exceptional, even. Just as he'd been an exceptional Robin. The rules were easy to follow, and he'd been given the tools to succeed. Being Damien, being just a man, without the mask, without the authority and the respect that was guaranteed to you when you wore it, that was hard. Hard enough to be accountable just to himself, let alone another person let alone four other people. Suddenly, Damien was stumbling backwards, a strong slap having landed solidly across his face. And then hands were fisting in his shirt and he was being slammed against the body of the shuttle. Which would have been erotic if it were Joe in front of him rather than Poison Ivy. Get your shit together, you stupid fuck. She spat. Just once, would it kill a man to prove me wrong? Then she literally spat down on his shoe, and her saliva quickly ate through the leather, leaving a smoking hole through which he could see the toe of his sock. Joe blinked her eyes open as she sat up, her Simone Biles poster the first thing that came into focus, followed by the cactus she kept on her nightstand, 
and her medals, which quietly clinked against the wall where they hung thanks to the light breeze whispering through the open window. I'm late for school, was all Joe could think, observing what looked like the light of early morning seeping into her bedroom. Jason should be here to pick me up. I don't want mom to see Jason. It wasn't until she rubbed her eyes and felt the metal of her wedding ring against her skin that she was transported back to reality. He's dead, Joe mumbled aloud to herself. She thought back to that time almost fondly now, when her mom chastising her for her shitty boyfriend was her biggest problem. Now her mom got to chastise her for her shitty husband, and it wasn't her plant DNA keeping her from doing what she loved, it was her, wait, why is it so quiet? Where the fuck are my kids? Pulling the blankets back, Joe found she was still fully clothed, complete with shoes and all. Yeah, I'm a wreck. She stumbled as she took her first steps, feeling lightheaded and disoriented. If this is how a hangover feels, then fuck that. Steadying herself on her old dresser, she was able to get her feet under her and eventually headed for the stairs. The first thing Joe noticed was that all the lights were on, meaning maybe it wasn't morning at all. In fact, it made a lot more sense that it would be evening. She didn't know where her phone was so she couldn't check to make sure, but if she'd arrived here in the morning, she sincerely hoped she'd only slept through the day rather than through the night as well. Yahtzee. Harley's voice carried up the stairs, and Joe heard something like a grunt of frustration come from Pam. She peeked her head around the corner to find them in the living room, Harley, Pam and Anthony gathered around the table playing, well, Yahtzee. Hey, sleeping beauty, Anthony greeted, glancing up briefly from his scorecard. Now we know where your kids get it, I guess. Joe looked around confusedly. What, um, what time is it? Where are the... children? Pam prompted. They're asleep, Harley answered, proudly marking down her score and sliding the dice to Anthony. But they, no, they don't sleep, Joe told them, bewildered. Only Daisy sleeps. I guess we got lucky, Anthony shrugged, shaking the dice in his hand before letting them spill out over the table. Uh, ha, huh, he stood up excitedly from his chair after determining his score. Large straight, bitch. Don't call your mother a bitch, Pam calmly requested, ready to take her turn. Even through his green skin, Anthony's face turned bright red. No I, ma, I just got excited. I meant it as an exclamation, not a pejorative. Laughing, Harley grabbed him by the arm, pulling back down into his chair. I'll be calling you a lot worse once I win. Pam glanced back at Joe, who was still standing awkwardly just inside the living room. Sweetheart, if you're nervous, you can go check on them. Though I can see everything that's going on in that room, and I can assure you they're all fast asleep. Are you hungry? Anthony prompted. I made dinner. He burned dinner, Pam corrected. It was still edible, he grumbled. Lila was being cute. I got distracted. Harley snorted. Clearly. Oh, knock it off, Anthony rose from his chair once more, heading for the kitchen. It's lasagna. Better if the top is a little crispy anyway. I-L, I love lasagna, Joe realized as Anthony walked past her. Yeah, no shit, Anthony laughed. Thought you'd be awake in time for dinner. They never answered my question. What time is it, 
she asked again, directing her question at her parents as her brother had left the room. Um. Harley checked the clock on her phone. Almost eight. We're old. We eat dinner at like five now. Anthony re-entered then, carrying a plate full of food, which he used to motion towards the table in a silent suggestion that she sit down. Joe gingerly obeyed, taking the vacant seat where her food was then placed in front of her, Anthony sitting back down to join them in the next moment. She stared down at her plate, realizing, maybe for the first time since the triplets had been born, just how hungry she was. Where's Duke? she asked her brother as she picked up the fork he'd provided. Training with Cass until nine, he answered. You're outsourcing? Joe raised an eyebrow at Harley. Well, just for today, she smiled. My hands were a little full. I should have called. I'm sorry, Joe mumbled, taking her first bite. Didn't mean to fuck up everybody's plans. Anthony scoffed. Joe, we got to hang out with a bunch of babies all day. You didn't ruin anyone's plans. I had the day off anyway. And Cass would a beat the crap out of me even in my prime. Harley added. Duke's learning from the best of the best. And we got mom to play Yahtzee with us, Anthony piggybacked. It's a game of chance, not skill, Pam stated, crossing her arms defiantly. I prefer a game that requires some degree of strategy. Right, Anthony nodded. Because you're unlucky. And a loser. Harley added. Joe let a smile slip at that. She appreciated they were being nice, acting somewhat normal around her, pretending it was all business as usual, Joe needed that, though she was also painfully aware of the elephant in the room. Which went untouched and unmentioned throughout the rest of the evening. Even after Anthony left and Harley said goodnight and was carried up to bed. Even after Terry and Delilah woke up and Pam helped Joe to put them back down. Even after the lights had been turned out and Joe was once again left alone in a dark room. Did my husband leave me? You're home late, Selena remarked from her chair in the darkened kitchen, startling Damien into banging his shin on the cupboard. Bruce flicked the light on, and it was becoming clearer with each passing moment that this was an ambush. Evening, son. Uh, father? Damien greeted awkwardly. Can I help you? You can answer some questions for us, Selena suggested. Well, one, in particular. Bruce leaned back against the counter, leaving his cane to stand upright so that he could cross his arms. Where's Joe? And the kids? Selena seconded. And what happened to your face? Damien brought his hand up to gingerly gauge the swelling around his eye, which evidently hadn't gone down much since this morning. I'm fine. I didn't ask how you felt, I asked what happened, Selena pointed out. And I'm honestly hoping the answer is, Joe, dot. Ivy, Damien muttered, moving towards the freezer to grab himself an ice pack, though his path was quickly obstructed by Bruce, who moved faster than he had in years to stand in his path. I asked you a question, Bruce said, his tone stern and none too kind. Fucking Christ, Damien had to fight the urge to punch his father in the face for the audacity to judge him as a husband and a parent. The man hardly had a leg to stand on. She left. Left left? Selena asked, concerned in her voice. No, Damien answered quickly. 
No, she's just at her parents' house. They're at her parents' house, he amended. They're staying there. Why? Bruce wondered. For how long? I, I don't know, okay? Damien was trying hard to exit the conversation. It hurts to talk about. He didn't want her to leave, he didn't want her to be gone. He should have come home. He'd meant to, but he couldn't. Or he didn't. Joe was pretty upset the last time I saw her, Selena remarked, taking a sip of her sparkling water. Said you weren't pulling your weight as a parent. She talked to you, didn't she? Went to your office? Damien was moving quickly into anger. What do you know about pulling your weight as a parent? Either of you. Son, Bruce began in a clear attempt to calm him down. We understand the incredible stress three newborns can place on a marriage, but... But what? Damien asked, his tone combative. What do either of you know about marriage? What do you know about parenting newborns? Nothing. You don't know jack shit. Fuck, you guys are, what? 75 and 70? And you're still not fucking married. This life you built, it's half-assed, all of it. You didn't build shit, just collected what other assholes didn't want. What fucking example have you ever set for me? Who am I supposed to look up to? You, Bruce? You, who fucked around, sleeping with every goddamn floozy in town? Or you, Selena? Who treated your entire life like a fucking game, his parents seemed genuinely surprised at the vitriol he was spewing, but he wasn't done. How old was Selena when you met her, huh, Bruce? Eighteen? Yeah, that's how old Joe was when she and I got together too, the difference being I fucking committed to her. Didn't take me twenty-four years and a thousand other women, or her a million near-death experiences and a substance abuse problem. So before either of you, or worse, you two together, try and lecture me about my fucking marriage, how about you take a look in the goddamn mirror and tell me why you failed to provide me a fucking blueprint? Bruce could only blink, so it was Selena who took the reins. Damien, this isn't about us, she started slowly. This is about you and how you're navigating this world as a man. Yeah, as a man in whose image? Damien laughed mirthlessly. His, he pointed at Bruce. He never taught me how to be a man, he taught me to be Batman, and Batman isn't a man at all, he's a fucking mirage. Batman's married. To justice and this godforsaken city. Batman doesn't have to come home to a wife and three kids. His night is over when he takes his mask off, it's. His mistress, Selina interrupted to correct. Justice is his mistress, not his spouse. His spouse is Bruce, or Harleen, or Dick, or Barbara, or Cass, or Steph, or Tim, or Joe, or you, Damien. She smiled kindly. Mine is Catwoman. Pamela's is Ivy. Their coping mechanisms and their relationships, Damien. No way to escape it. We can laugh all we want at those, is Selena Kyle having an affair with Catwoman, tabloid articles, but I think it's time we choose to look at them like a metaphor. At the end of the day, our other selves, our heroes, they have to mean to us what they do to other people, Bruce added. Like a marriage, it's supposed to be a partnership. And there were plenty of lessons I learned wearing the cowl that helped me as a man. That's what I attempted to impart to you. For me, Batman was always the man Bruce Wayne couldn't be, 
the one Bruce Wayne wanted to be. And now, Bruce is all I have left. Selina sighed, sounding legitimately remorseful. I miss Catwoman every day. So, what? Damien questioned. How about you direct me to the nugget of fucking wisdom? Bruce raised his cane, using the end to poke Damien in the chest. Be the kind of man you can live with after he's gone. When you can't put on that mask to hide from your problems anymore. And go write your own fucking blueprint, Selena added. That way, in 30 years, Terence won't be standing in your shoes, saying you failed him. History is doomed to repeat itself, until someone takes it upon themselves to make a change. I highly suggest you be that someone. Harley felt a bit guilty, honestly. She knew the circumstances that brought Joe home weren't exactly something you should root for, especially as a parent, but Harley got lonely during the day, when Pam was gone and Anthony had work, Duke had school, Selena didn't feel like coming over, and there was nothing she could do about it either. She couldn't go anywhere. Her enjoyment seemed to come at the mercy of others. So, yes, Harley liked having Joe home. Bite me. And she liked being around the kids. More than that, though. She liked watching Joe around the kids. It was sweet, seeing her figure things out. Joe observed them curiously, with a mixture of wonder and apprehension that reminded Harley of herself when they'd first brought Anthony home. Anthony, himself, reminded Harley of Pam with how he related to his son. It seemed natural for him, his movements fluid, his words soothing, and Duke had responded to him just as Anthony had responded to Pam, quickly and completely, bonded from day one. It hadn't been like that for Harley, exactly. There'd been a learning curve, and she'd tried her best, but like Joe, she'd felt overwhelmed. Being responsible for a human being was a lot to shoulder. Something so helpless, that looked at you like you were the sun and the moon and every single star. A parent is a child's entire universe, but as they grow, the dynamics tend to reverse, so this, getting to watch her own daughter, fully grown now, a woman, experience that same curve. Make those same mistakes. I felt that same love and excitement, it was surreal, and rewarding and wonderful, and bittersweet as well, but Harley didn't want to think about why. Didn't want to think about the fact that with each day that passed, with each year her children grew, and her children's children matured, she was growing older too. And she couldn't press pause, she couldn't rewind, it was like she was binge-watching the greatest show ever made, and she wanted to stay up for another episode, she wanted to know how it all ended, what happened to all these characters. She'd grown so attached to, but once it was done, it was done. There wouldn't be another season, not for her, anyway. No, 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 Joe was guiding the straw back into Terry's mouth. Come on, bro. You gotta drink it. She groaned when he refused to latch on, dramatically resting her forehead on the table. This is gonna sound weird. Harley brought herself back to the present moment to listen. But did you ever wish you could have nursed us? Breastfed, I mean. She turned her head, laying her cheek on the table now so that she could look up at Harley. As a psychiatrist you must have an opinion on it. Yeah, I hated that I couldn't, Harley admitted. Felt terrible about it, actually. But I did as much skin-to-skin -skin contact as I could to supplement the intimacy. And you guys didn't need breast milk you needed, uh, plant juice, she gestured towards the bottle in Joe's hand. Special juice for special kids, Joe chuckled, 
sitting up slowly to rock Terry's bassinet a few times before trying again to feed him. And then you tell me that's how Batwoman got so strong, which takes on a whole new meaning now that I know you were Batwoman. I hope to Gaia, drinking plant juice isn't a fucking euphemism. Well, seeing as I told Anthony that's how Kid Flash got so fast, I sure hope it wasn't, Harley laughed. Otherwise your mother has a lot of explaining to do. Joe snorted, relief washing over her face as Terry finally latched on. Harley allowed for a moment's silence to pass before asking the question she really didn't want to. The one Joe probably didn't want her to either. Any word from Damien? Nope, Joe answered, pointedly keeping her focus on her son. Two weeks, not a call, not a text, not an instant message, a Facebook status, a tweet, a Snapchat, an Instagram DM or a fucking email. Complete radio silence from the man I intimately shared the last seven years of my life with and who's responsible for 50% of these adorable bastards. And you, haven't tried to talk to him either? Nope, Joe repeated. I stated very clearly what I needed from him. Told him I was leaving if he didn't deliver. He didn't deliver. I left. That shit's on him, and he knows where to find me should he eventually grow some boobs. You mean balls, Harley corrected. Joe squinted, taking that under consideration. Mmm, no, she decided. I definitely meant boobs. All right, Anthony lolled his head on the grass to look at her, though he had to sit up slightly because his view was presently obstructed by Daisy who was sleeping quietly between them. By G. White Dolphin. Joe held her bottom lip between her teeth, thinking. 2002, I think. But shit started going downhill for them in the 1950s when China industrialized. I'm not giving you bonus points, Anthony haughtily informed her. Yeah, whatever, Joe scoffed. Passenger Pigeon. Gone in the wild by 1900, he answered, rolling back to stare up at the clouds again. And 1914 in captivity. 1914 would a done just fine, thanks, Joe teased. Uh, Taz. She trailed off midward when someone stepped in front of her son. Hey, what gives? I'm trying to get my tan back. Her eyes were closed, but she still groaned as soon as. Damien cleared his throat. The fuck do you want? She asked him opening one eye, then the other, finding that it was, indeed, Damien standing above her, basked in the glow of the late July afternoon. What's with the tux? What's with the flannel, he countered. I've been indoctrinated, Joe answered plainly, sitting up. But, it's July. Joe pulled her shirt up in response, pointing to her abs. My body fat is non-existent. I'm always cold. She shoved it back down. And my summer wardrobe is probably the least important thing on the planet right now. And you're wearing a tux, dude, Anthony pointed out. Built the wrong house to throw rocks. Damien briefly glanced at Anthony, his jaw tightening, perhaps at the other man's obvious comfortability around the baby that lay next to him in the grass. Can we, um, talk? he directed his question at Joe. Alone? Uh, nah, Joe decided before nodding at the paper he was clutching in his hand. Those divorce papers? Damien seemed confused for a moment, until he followed her eyes and realized what she was talking about. No, 
It's a, well, he was clearly embarrassed to be saying this in front of an audience. I missed you. And there were all these little things I missed. Things I didn't even think about before because I just, you know, I love you, so I wrote them down. Some things I love. He thrust it out to her like a child would show his mother a report card. Joe took it from him, noticing the envelope was marked with her name and parents' address on the front. Clearing her throat, she freed the letter from its constraints, almost laughing at the fact he'd used the official Wayne family stationery. He'd written in bullet points, and there were a few different pens represented, which signaled to Joe this had been a running list he'd updated throughout his days. Reasons Why I Love You was titled in Damien's blocky print. You smell good naturally, I don't like perfume. You're a good kisser. Thought about the first time I kissed you and I still think about it now. Calling you my wife makes me feel proud. You're pretty. I think about how pretty you are every time I see your face. When you've got headphones in at the gym, you sing every song out loud, even the instrumentals, and I don't think you realize it. Based on how much you listen to it, there's a chance your favorite song is Trumpets by Jason Derulo. Your eyes make me crave lime jello. I know it's weird, but they're really green. You learned my name in Arabic. Funny. Your laugh makes me smile. No gag reflex. Joe snorted at that one. I don't always have to talk for you to know what I mean. Freckles. She stopped folding up the paper and slipping it back in the envelope despite there being at least two more pages. What do you want me to do with this? Joe asked, looking back up at him where he'd been nervously watching her. This is cute, but it doesn't help me. I haven't heard from you in three weeks. My brother has been more of a father to our kids than you have so far, and... Like, he's hot, I get it, but I'm not into that. So that's great that you love me, really. I appreciate hearing it because you made me feel like utter shit letting me leave, but it's not enough, Damien. I know, he murmured, looking down at his shoes. You asked me to grow up, remember? Joe prompted. Said I had to do it fast, and I did. Sounds awfully hypocritical now. After a brief moment of indecisiveness, Damien got down onto his knees, making no move to take her hands, but kneeling in front of her, more than likely ruining his pants. Joe, I think you really were unconscious. Out of all the things to, what? The day the kids were born, he clarified. I think you were knocked unconscious when you hit the water. I did the math, ran some scenarios, and with your exposure to the impact, there's really no way you weren't. This punk-ass motherfucker. What's your point? Joe spat. I don't know why you lied, he said. Why you pretended it was all fine, maybe you didn't want to scare me, maybe you didn't want to scare yourself, I don't know, but I do know that it didn't really matter to me. I went back for you, and I'd play it the same way every single time. And that's the kind of husband I want to be too. One who helps you even when you don't ask for it or pretend you don't need it. Who's there for you because you're my partner? And I, it took me three weeks to come and get you because I didn't understand why I let you leave in the first place. Was it, because you're scared? Joe wondered, her tone conveying how obvious it was. Well, why, yeah. Mm, Joe nodded. Yeah, I'm scared too. Out of my fucking mind. I'm terrified.
the difference is I didn't run. Never even crossed my mind as an option. Not in a million years did I think about abandoning ship. But you did. You peaced out for three weeks. How can I ever trust you again? I'm serious. How can I trust one won't end up alone? Because Batman would never leave you alone, Damien stated definitively. Batman would never let you drown. And I'm Batman. Daisy chose that moment to wake up and begin crying. And what about them? Joe asked, picking the girl up in her arms. I'm glad you want to be a better husband, but I'm honestly a little more concerned with you being a father to our children. I believe you love me. Do you love them? Damien's gaze slowly drifted downwards from Joe to Daisy. I'm afraid of disappointing them, he admitted. So much so it keeps me up at night. The only other person I feel that way about is you, and I love you, so I suppose I must love them too. Then he held his arms out. Can I hold my daughter, please? Chapter 67 You got him? Anthony typed, sending the message quickly. It was roughly a 15-minute drive to Wayne Manor, and Karen had left 25 minutes ago, so even with lag time he should be getting the response he wanted. B, yep. He'd been hoping for a little elaboration. How does he look? Anthony waited, watching his screen as the bubble popped up to signify she was formulating a response. B, cute. Well that's supremely unhelpful, Anthony thought, before another text message came in. B, be home soon. So he'd have to be patient. Fine. He could be patient. He'd been waiting on bated breath for the last six hours anyway, fifteen more minutes wouldn't kill him, would it? It might. It actually might. Anthony picked up the hose, checking to make sure it was set to shower before beginning his rounds in the garden, for the second time that night. He's stress gardening again. Shouldn't he be asleep? Perhaps we should tell Ivy. Anthony rolled his eyes, attempting to tune them out. If he's going to entertain us twice in one night, you'd think he'd be able to put a shirt on by the second. But that wouldn't be nearly as entertaining, would it? Honestly, Anthony scolded, even though he knew they couldn't hear him. A man is allowed to garden whenever he prefers in whatever state of dress, or undress, he prefers. Thank you for your unsolicited input. He shut off the water. And if you too, that's right, you, he pointed an accusatory finger at Hyacinths and the Snapdragons. Continue this disruptive behavior, so help me, I will replant you. He seems angry. I like him when he's angry. Nope, he was done. Anthony was done. Gardening was supposed to be relaxing, he was not finding this relaxing. He turned around, heading back towards the house passing his tree as he did, the one Barbara and Dick had gifted him before his birth that now stood tall in his yard. He's concerned about the boy, it enlightened the others. I don't see why, the snapdragon replied. He's in the sister's care. But the sister can be reckless, the tree reminded them. Our man is kind. Our boy is gentle. The man fears his boy's innocence will be lost, like the sister's was. The sister was never gentle to begin with, the hyacinth argued. Our boy wants to be good, not just powerful. Anthony sighed, deciding he'd leave them to their disagreement, which he couldn't intervene in anyway. 
But he did pat his tree's trunk, resting his hand there briefly before continuing inside. He remembered how smooth that bark had felt under his fingers when it was just a sapling and he was just a boy. He'd known that tree longer than he'd known Jolene. Longer than Karen. Longer than Duke. It had survived two replantings and a close encounter with a lightning strike during an especially bizarre Gotham summer, and it was oddly reassuring, it being there, planted firmly in Anthony's backyard where he could see the branches out his bedroom window, where they sometimes knocked against the glass during windy nights. Growing up, Anthony had been the boy. The boy who watered it, who helped it to grow. And now it has grown, just as Anthony was. Anthony was the man and now, and Duke was the boy and now the tree was big and strong enough for the boy to climb in its branches, the ones Anthony had helped bring to fruition with every drop of water he'd fed it. Duke had been waiting for this night for a long time. Anthony knew that, Anthony was proud, it was just, yes, his boy was so kind, so gentle, and ten felt, young. Young to be exposing him to that world, to those dirty streets. Then again, Duke had been exposed to it, in one way or another since the day he was born. It was bred into him, Anthony supposed. And the only thing he'd thought was more fantastic than Poison Ivy being his grandmother, was Batman being his uncle, by marriage, of course, but whether Anthony liked it, whether Pam liked it, the Quinzels were now as much a part of the Bat family as the Waynes. And never, not in a million years, did Anthony want to stand in the way of his son and something he loved. Duke felt this was his calling, just as Joe had just as Damien had, he wasn't happy just sitting on the sidelines. He wanted to be in the thick of it. Wearing the suit, wielding the weapons, Anthony had long ago accepted that his son took more after Karen in that regard than he, who'd always been content cheering from the bleachers, and that was fine. Truly, it was. But Anthony would always worry. Just as he worried about Joe, just like he worried about Karen, and just as he still worried about his mother. Yes, the immortal metahuman. He just pulled a t-shirt over his head when the door opened, and Duke entered positively beaming. With his cheek sliced open and obvious bruising around his eye, but it was hard to notice that stuff as his grin stretched from ear to ear. Karen, you said he was fine. No. Karen corrected as she stepped inside, closing the door behind her. I said he was cute, not fine. And he is cute. And fine. Duke definitely announced. Aunt Jo let me drive the hovercraft. Best night of my life. On the water? Anthony was aghast. Yeah, Duke nodded excitedly. These guys were trying to sell humans, Dad. So Aunt Jo was like, not on my watch, and we went on this awesome boat chase, and they had guns, but we had grandma's grenades, not the ones that kill people the nicer ones that just paralyzed them for a bit cause Aunt Jo didn't want to accidentally hurt any of the people below deck, but so when we caught up to them, Aunt Jo had to tie the boats together, so she let me drive, and she said I was really awesome at it. Then what? Karen prompted him. Oh. Then we put everybody in handcuffs and turned them over to Auntie Babs, Duke said with satisfaction. And Aunt Jo said me and her make a better team than she and Uncle Damien and that I'm the best Robin she's ever worked with. Anthony chose not to point out that Duke was the only Robin Joe had ever worked with. Just didn't seem necessary, and Duke's enthusiasm was infectious. So he let it be. 
Besides that, Duke was typically a pretty reserved kid, playing his cards close to his chest, so this unbridled joy they were getting to witness felt pretty special. Does your face hurt? Looks like you didn't make it out unscathed, Anthony remarked instead. Carrie offered to close it up, but he said he'd rather you did it, Karen told him as she stripped her coat off. I'll make you some celebratory pancakes, bud. Sounds good. Duke smiled slyly. You think I could, get some chocolate chips in those bad boys? Karen laughed, kissing him on the cheek. I think that can be arranged. She moved forward, placing a hand on Anthony's chest and giving him a quick peck on the lips. Would you like some pancakes too? Yeah, Anthony grumbled. Banana, please. You can't say that kind of shit, Damien hissed. The walls are way too thin. You should probably shut me up, then, Joe suggested, hiking the hem of his t-shirt over his abdomen, strongly encouraging him to do the rest. He obliged her, and she giggled as he pushed her against the wall. What? Damien painted, his lips pressed to her skin, yanking her sweats down to her ankles as he kissed her neck. Too thin for a little dirty talk but substantial enough to shove me against. She helped him by stepping out of the fabric. That's some whack-ass logic. I'm going to take your advice now, he told her, leaning down into a heated kiss as he hoisted her up, Joe doing the rest by wrapping her legs around his waist, her hands fisting in his short hair while he walked them over to the bed. She sat up once she'd landed on the bed, raking her nails up his back with her right hand while her left worked to pull down his briefs, at the same time as he was attempting to pull her tank top over her head. Come on, man. We don't have time for miscommunication, she complained, resigning herself to his plan by finishing the job and tossing her tank top off the bed, leaving her in a sports bra that Damien slipped his hand under as. Mommy. God damn it, they cursed in unison, Damien disappointedly retracting his hand and climbing quickly under the covers, mumbling, really should have locked that, as Joe followed suit. You think, she mocked as Delilah flung their bedroom door open. The girl happily climbed onto the bed without hesitation, taking no issue with her parents' relative state of undress. Mommy, look. She thrust her hand forward to show off the large diamond ring she was wearing on her finger. Daisy and I are getting married. Joe wasn't quite sure how to respond. She wanted to laugh, but maybe that wasn't the right way to play this. So instead she just asked, am I invited to the wedding? Yep, the girl confirmed enthusiastically. And daddy too. Delilah, no, Damien said like he wasn't sure why Joe had allowed this to be entertained. No, you can't marry your sister. Why not, she demanded, her ginger curls bouncing grumpily as she took on a full-body frown before attempting to climb over Joe so that she could speak to her father face to face. Whoa, whoa, hold your horses, Joe wrestled her back down beside her. We're gonna wait a second to enter daddy's personal space, all right? He's still a little excited. About what? Delilah wondered. About, uh, wrestling, Joe decided. She really wasn't in the right headspace to parent. But he's right. You can't marry your sister. Well, well how come? Delilah asked, somewhere between angry and heartbroken. Aunt Carrie's married to a girl and so is grandma and nana. How come I can't be married to a girl? Damien was awkwardly adjusting himself below the blankets, 
sweat beating on his brow. It's not the fact that she's a girl that's the problem. It's because Daisy's your sister. You can't marry your sister. B, but I love Daisy, she protested, tears gathering in her eyes. And that's great, Joe consoled her with a gentle squeeze of her arm. I love Uncle Anthony too, but I love him in a different way than I love Daddy. Like how? Like, I want to kiss Daddy, and hug Anthony. Delilah wrinkled her nose. Yuck. I don't want to kiss anybody. Only hugs. Perfect, Damien clapped. Problem solved. Lila, Terry said sternly from the doorway, his arms crossed and his expression austere. You cannot just take Kitty's pretty things. That's called stealing. But I wanted it. Delilah shouted back like that was a winning argument. Dealing with this ridiculousness of no sleep wasn't exactly ideal, Joe decided. And the fact that the kids were awake at 7 a.m. was just, when did they grow out of that? Guys, we have a door. The door was closed. We're tired, all right? We love you, but we're tired. What intarnation? Daisy filed in behind her brother. Keep it down, mommy. I cannot think with all this commotion. Right, Damien nodded sagely. Because this is our fault. That makes sense. Daisy raised an eyebrow from behind her pink glasses, all of which looked rather ridiculous on a four-year-old. Mommy, are you frustrated? In literally so many ways, Joe sighed before pulling Delilah onto her lap and tickling her mercilessly. The girl shrieked with excited laughter, wriggling until she'd slid off the bed and back onto her feet. Terence, I need you to make sure your sister puts that ring back where she found it, and then you all need to get dressed for Nana's party, Damien told them, trying to exert some control over the situation. No. Daisy suddenly wailed, dramatically falling to the ground. You can't make us wear clothes. I can, and I will, Damien assured her. Don't make us match. Daisy pleaded from where she was, making snow angels. Sprawled out on the wooden floor. I just, I said get dressed. Damien was somehow still surprised at his children's antics. I didn't say you had to match. When have we ever made you match? Can me and Lila match, though? Terry asked, stepping right over his sister. Can I wear Daisy's pants? W.H., Joe looked over at Damien confusedly to find he was mirroring her expression. Why is this a thing? She directed her question at the kids. Can this not be a thing? I want to wear my pajamas, Lila decided. And a tiara. She added. And a cape. Boo, me too. Daisy sat up excitedly. Lila, let's wear our same pajamas. Damien pinched the bridge of his nose. You just said you didn't want to match. But that's no fair. Terry protested. Who will I match with? How about Dad? Joe suggested, reluctantly climbing out of bed and grabbing her sweatpants from where she'd discarded them only moments earlier. Terry pouted. That's no fun. Okay. Pam set the waffle down in front of Harley. Belgian waffle with strawberries, whipped cream, and maple syrup. Shall I get you the bag of white sugar from the cabinet as well? And maybe a syringe so you can just mainline it? No, but I'll take some Nutella, Harley grinned up at her.
Pam rolled her eyes, turning back around and heading towards the pantry, mumbling, you're lucky it's your birthday, as she went. More like I'm lucky you remembered it was my birthday. Harley called after her before smiling broadly down at her plate. Waffles waffles waffles, waffles waffles waffles, she sang to herself, cutting into it with her fork as Pam returned, plopping the jar of Nutella down beside her. Happy? Pam prompted. So happy, Harley replied with a mouthful of food, chewing contentedly as she watched Pam stand above her. You gonna sit down? She took a drink of orange juice. I can share my Nutella. Pam cleared her throat. Wait here, please. And again, she left the table. Yeah, I don't really have a choice, do I? Harley noticed she was heading for the stairs this time, and watched her ascend them before taking another bite of food, humming as she chewed. Being seventy was pretty alright, she decided. I mean, somehow I'm still not all that saggy. Well not, somehow, let's not pretend like this marriage wasn't strategic, Harley chuckled to herself. But yeah. The first few hours of seventy hadn't been too shabby. She looked good. Felt good. And that was a surprise. Sixty-year-old Harley probably would have called her crazy, but it was nice. The sun was shining, even though it was September, the birds were chirping. Harley raised an eyebrow as Pam returned and gently placed a wrapped box on the table in front of her. For you, she said, sitting down across from her. I thought we'd open presents when the kids got here, Harley said. Pam ran a nervous hand through her hair. I'd really rather the kids didn't see this. Really? Now Harley was intrigued. She snatched the box off the table and shook it next to her ear. Is it, a strap-on? She joked, until she noticed the blush in Pam's pale cheeks and how her gaze immediately fell to her lap. Harley's jaw dropped. You didn't, she squealed almost childishly once she'd ripped the paper off. Pam's face was buried in her hands. You're making fun of me, aren't you? What? No. Oh me go to me go to me go to me god. Babe, this is like, I mean, far and away the best present ever. You actually went into the store and bought this for me? The redhead peeked out from between her fingers. The clerk kept hitting on me. Why, was all Harley could ask as she grinned giddily down at the thing. Because I'm. No, I know why she hit on you, Harley laughed. I mean what possessed you to make this purchase? You've been pretty adamantly anti for like all 44 years of our marriage. Well, I. Pam cleared her throat, needlessly adjusting her glasses. I wasn't, um, the concept made me uncomfortable, as you know, but I, well I knew you. She wasn't sure where this was going, but Harley was very much enjoying this verbal roller coaster. So, Pam tried again. I'm not sure if you remember, but about six months after you got your legs back. When we were young and fun and Scrabble wasn't our primary source of entertainment, Harley helped her out. Right, Pam acknowledged. Well, you were feeling good and solid in your physicality. You'd completed your initial physical therapy and muscular rehabilitation, and you were gearing up to work with Bruce again. Uh-huh. Harley sat forward, bracketing her plate by leaning her elbows on the table. Well, one night you went out drinking with Selena, this was back before she got sober, of course, and I was on a business trip, so you, 
well, you texted me. Things like how you missed me and were excited for me to come home, which I found very endearing, but then you quickly escalated into a laundry list of things you wanted to do to me upon my return, the most graphic of which had to do with pulling my hair and, well, that, she nodded towards the box in Harley's hands. You were evidently extremely inebriated because when I came home, you made no mention of it, so I went into your phone and deleted the messages to ensure you wouldn't remember because the entire concept just sincerely stressed me out. I mean, it absolutely sounded like something I'd be interested in doing to you, but for me, I just wasn't ready to be that vulnerable and I, I want to apologize for my invasion of your privacy, but it felt necessary at the time. Harley dropped her bottom lip from where she'd been holding it between her teeth. So, I think what you're apologizing for is going into my phone to delete a drunk sext I sent you, she couldn't keep herself from laughing. You know what I'm actually pissed about, though? That you can remember said drunk sext in enough detail to buy me a gift for a specific sex act I referenced 36 years ago, but cannot remember Valentine's Day is on February, fucking, 14th. What sort of batshit, compartmentalized thinking? Harley shook her head. Another swell of laughter hitting her suddenly. So why now? You still haven't answered my question. Pam wrapped her fingers on the table for a moment before continuing. I remember feeling disappointed with myself, that I couldn't entertain a desire of yours that was clearly so specific. And I remembered thinking that perhaps, in another life, would have enjoyed that. Or Pamela would have enjoyed it if that power hadn't been so severely abused. She took a deep breath. And now I feel terrible for taking this long to get comfortable with it because you, well, there are some things you just can't do anymore, so, I don't know. I'm sorry. This was the best I could do. Harley just watched her for a moment, attempting to take all this seriously before she just couldn't anymore. Is this the lesbian version of ED medication? Pam smirked. I suppose although I'm really not sure how enjoyable it will be for you. Plenty, Harley coughed after trying to force too many words out of her mouth at once. Plenty enjoyable. Can we cancel the party? Were you scared? Terry asked, his eyes wide. Pfft, no way, Duke assured him as he lounged against a tree, a pair of sunglasses, unnecessarily, shading his eyes. There's no time to be scared. It's do or die that's all there is to it. Did mommy help protect you? Terry wondered, sitting forward on his knees, hanging on every word. Duke shrugged casually. We're a team. We gotta help each other. Carrie snickered as she listened in on the conversation from the picnic table a few yards away. What? Anthony asked, picking the candied walnuts and blue cheese out of his salad and transferring them to Karen's plate. Your son's a goddamn hero, is all, Carrie teased, taking a bite of her hot dog. I don't know what Joe would do without him. Anthony stared her down. You think you could eat that hot dog a little less salaciously? It's confusing me. She's not eating that hot dog for you, bro, Courtney informed him as she plopped down on the seat next to Carrie, kissing her on the cheek. No mayo, can you believe it? Karen raised an eyebrow popping a walnut into her mouth. What on your plate requires mayonnaise? Courtney looked deeply offended. Um, I think you mean what on this plate doesn't require mayo. She's from the Midwest, guys, Carrie explained. It makes sense to her. But because we're not insane, 
babe, she meaningfully took Courtney's hand, looking her in the eye. We just can't support it. Courtney snorted at that, pulling her hand away and shaking her head. You guys are nuts. Jolene. Damien shouted, clearly upset that the plate of food he'd made her was getting cold. Stop terrorizing the children and come eat. Terrorizing implies they're not asking for it. Joe called back from where she was spinning in circles with Delilah tossed over her shoulder. What? Pam spoke up from where she was sitting with Selena, Bruce, Barbara, Dick and Harley at the other end of the table. Nowhere in the definition of terrorize does it make that a stipulation. Perhaps you meant it implies they're not enjoying it. Hey, I know this sounds crazy, but what if you, like, weren't a nerd for two seconds? Joe mocked, slowing to a stop, Delilah's beaming grin now visible. No. Mommy, don't stop, she complained, pounding on Joe's back with closed fists. Go again. Go again. Sorry, kiddo, Joe sighed, lowering the girl back to her feet. Ho's gotta eat too. What's a... Hey there, Delilah. Harley interrupted her question, and Pam's eye roll was so exaggerated Anthony was afraid, for a moment, her eyes might get stuck. Kamra and show Nana the present you got me. That distracted her for long enough to allow Joe to slip away, jogging over towards the seat Damien had saved for her. Her mouth was full of food before she even sat down. Hey, aren't we supposed to have three? Damien asked, realizing one of their children wasn't accounted for. Where's Daisy? Um. Joe twisted around, scanning the yard, but came up empty. Hey, Mom, she leaned forward so that her view of Pam was unobstructed. Daisy? Any idea where she wandered off to? She fell asleep out here so I moved her onto the couch, Pam told her before resuming her conversation with Dick. Should we be worried about how much that kid sleeps? Damien wondered. No, Joe answered quickly. Please, it's a blessing, don't ruin it. Now, Anthony, I'm so glad you're here. There's a pressing matter we need to discuss. Anthony narrowed his eyes. You're, so glad I'm here, at our mother's birthday party? Whatever she wants to talk to you about, it's going to be weird, Karen warned, chewing slowly on another walnut. Anthony, Joe sighed. Look, man. We need zippers. Zippers? Damien and I need zippers in our suits because we keep getting cock-blocked at home and it's putting a strain on our marriage, Joe elaborated. Okay, well, I don't know about a strain. Damien corrected Joe's exaggeration. But yeah, it's the worst. Turns out getting to sleep with her was like 40% of the reason I married her. 60 for me, Joe told them. 60 easy. 70 to 75, some days. WH, no. Anthony couldn't believe this was an actual question. No, I'm not, I'm not helping Batman get laid while he's on the job. Then don't think about it that way, Damien prefaced. Think about it like you're helping your brother-in-law get laid. Yeah, by my sister. Come on, Joe whined. Pleasis. Anthony just shook his head, refusing to look his sister in the eye for even another moment. I can't believe mom let you have children. Seeing that her request was falling on deaf ears, Joe tried the other person that could be of service. Karen, K-Dog, K-Money, K, 
Fuck, I don't know. Help us out. Be a friend. No, Karen was laughing. Getting cock-blocked by your kids is a natural part of life. If it were an Olympic sport, Duke would have won the gold medal. God, seriously, Anthony agreed under his breath. Before you even ask, Harley piped up from the head of the table, where she had evidently been listening. The answer is yes. All the fucking time. Could be worse, Selena joined in. They could refer to Joe as the floozy and call you disgusting every time you try to show her physical affection. A look of guilt flashed across Damien's face and his eyes fell to his plate. Selena gasped. So he does have some shame. Helps to not have someone you feel a natural allegiance to whispering lies in your ear, Harley pointed out. Here, hold on, Selena stood up from the table, reaching into her back pocket and producing her credit card sleeve. Do you take cards, Dr. Quinzel? Figured I'd just pay for the whole hour if you've got more wisdom to dispense. Debit only, Harley deadpanned, watching as Delilah climbed onto Pam's lap. Grandma, there is enough food for you to have some, the girl assured her, casually lifting Bruce's burger patty out of its bun and taking a bite like it had been intended for her all along. We can share this meat, she suggested. Meat, singular, darling, Pam corrected pressing a kiss to the girl's temple. And that's very kind, but unnecessary I'm afraid. I already ate. Because of the sunshine? Delilah asked, running greasy fingers up Pam's green arm. Pam cringed and Barbara silently handed her a napkin, holding in a laugh at the obvious nausea that had overtaken Pam at the feeling of animal fat on her skin. Yes, that's right, she mumbled, tossing the used napkin onto the table. How come you don't have a birthday, Grandma, was the girl's next question. Oh, well, I do, Pam attempted to explain, grabbing the plate Harley was handing her and holding it under the dripping burger patty in hopes of saving her white dress. I just choose not to celebrate it. Are you as big as Mommy is? Delilah wondered. Pam sat the girl up straighter, hoping to make their positions more comfortable for the both of them. We're about the same height, yes. No, in oldness, she corrected, taking another bite of the patty and sending Bruce groaning up to his feet at the realization he wasn't getting it back. Lila, Harley took over for her. Your mommy was our baby. Me and grandma's. We used to hold her on our laps when she was as little as you. Delilah looked confused. But, mommy's not little, she is big. And grandma is big, and nana and kitty and grandpa are bigger. Did you? She furrowed her brow, her almost gray-blue eyes squinting. Did you hold grandma too? No, Bruce said as he sat back down, watching his granddaughter closely as he closed the bun on his new burger and raised it to his mouth. Grandma is. Magic. She hasn't been little in a very long time. She's been the same, um, bigness, he attempted to use her vocabulary. Since before your nana was even born. So then how big is she, the girl demanded, setting the greasy patty angrily down on the plate Pam was still holding for her. Are you familiar with Jesus Christ? Selena asked. I am. Terry shouted excitedly from behind them. Great, well, he was your grandma's lab partner back in high school. Pam rolled her eyes, both at the comment and at how amused Harley was by it. 
I am 108 years old, Pam told her, evidently the only one at the table still taking it seriously. Delilah's eyes widened. That's, so big. So then, how come you look as little as mommy? Magic, Bruce reiterated. Yeah, Pam smiled though it was tinged with a bit of sadness. Magic. Daisy was so bummed she missed the party, Harley lamented before Pam's lips moved against hers in another heady, languorous kiss. We should have woken her up for cake. I sent her with a slice, Pam consoled her, moving her lips down to the hollow of Harley's throat before running a hot tongue back up her neck, interspersing it with wet kisses along the way, and eventually tugging gently at her earlobe with her teeth. Oh, that's good, Harley sighed contentedly, referring to the cake but definitely the other thing too, watching as Pam pulled the oversized t-shirt she wore to bed over her own head, setting it down gently beside them. Harley was powerless against the grin that spread over her face and Pam took notice, sitting back on her heels. I think you might be enjoying this a little too much. Harley giggled, I think I'm enjoying it the exact right amount, she placed a hand on Pam's waist to pull her closer. If you had any idea how many ab workouts I did for you. She mused. How many hip thrusts? Pam chuckled, engaging them in another slow kiss. I think we utilize those abilities just fine without the toy. Harley smiled, brushing Pam's hair back away from her face. You know you don't have to do this for me, right, Pamelam? Really, I mean, it's an awesome sentiment, but I'll survive, I think. Mmm, but don't you want to see how far I've come, Dr. Quinzel? Ivy teased, sliding down and pressing a kiss to Harley's abdomen, just above the region where she no longer had feelings. Aren't you curious, she swirled her tongue around the tip of the plastic that stood upright between Harley's legs. Why, yes, Harley choked, sweat beating on her brow at the sight. F, fair science. Pam smirked, dragging her chest deliberately up Harley's body until she was hovering just above her lips. You're perfect, you know that? Harley breathed. So I've been told, Pam murmured, her delivery almost, sadistic as she teasingly brushed her lips against Harley's, pulling back when her wife attempted to angle for more. Harley whimpered, perhaps the most aroused she'd been in the ten years since she'd lost her legs again. She ran her hands over Pam's taut stomach, moving to her hips to gently guide her downward. It was eerie, her green skin in the moonlight the ridges of the vines just below the surface casting shadows like tree branches across the otherwise smooth expanse. Her long red hair cascaded untethered down her bare back, and her eyes glowed, verdant and unworldly, in the darkened bedroom, their focus fixed intently on Harley. Ivy. Harley suddenly felt the pressure of tears mounting behind her eyes. She hadn't seen Ivy. In a long time, she hadn't seen her. Not like this. Ivy was the one who'd insulted her. The one who'd gotten her shot. The one with the angry, warning hand around her throat. The coping mechanism. The monster that lived within, teeming like her vines just below the surface of her poisonous skin. She'd been a thing for Harley to marvel at and then throw away, to discard for the opportunity to put Pamela back in the driver's seat. A statue to crack. A shell to break. An illness something else. Something for the world to see but to cover up at home. 
Harleen couldn't imagine Ivy would ever want to be with her, not after everything she'd done to Pamela. Not after she'd hurt her. Betrayed her trust. But here she was. This was, this was it. Ivy was here, Ivy was, vulnerable. Ivy was hers. Ivy was her patient, Pamela was her wife, but at this moment, she was all in one. She was everything. Ivy, Harley whispered between the other woman's soft moans. Ivy. Slowing her rhythm, Ivy leaned down over her, capturing her lips in a searing kiss. Yes, she panted, her eyes closing. Harley smiled up at her, running her hands down her back to cup her rear, encouraging her to keep her pace. I love you, Poison Ivy. Despite Harley's insistence, Ivy slowed to a more methodical rhythm, slowly opening one eye and then the other as she smirked. The best doctor I've ever had, she simpered playfully. Harley trailed her hands lovingly up her back, tracing the patterns of the vines best she could. And you're the best birthday present. Chapter 68 Gee, Grandpa. Grandpa. Mr. Bruce, Grandpa. Bruce groaned, squinting into the darkness. Grandpa. He felt someone pat his foot and turn slowly, certain that anyone he'd need to move faster for would call him something other than to Grandpa. What is it? he murmured. Terry's little feet pitter-patter on the wood floor as he comes around the bed, moving in perhaps unnecessarily close to Bruce's face. Grandpa, are you awake? I am now, Bruce grumbled pulling the blankets back and painfully sitting up, his joints aching like always. My question is, why are you? I had a bad dream, the boy looked at him nervously, his voice a soft whisper. Daddy died and then I went to his room in real life and he was not there. He's working, Bruce kept his voice low as well trying to avoid waking Selena where she lay beside him. He and your mother will be back when the sun is up. B, because they're Batmans? Terry asked, his voice shaking along with his body. Yes, Bruce confirmed. It's their job to protect the city. But, Terry's bottom lip quivered as his eyes filled with tears. Then who will protect me? Might be wise for you to start learning to protect yourself, Bruce suggested. Jesus, Selena mumbled into her pillow. He's four, Bruce. Let him sleep here until they get back. Bruce watched the boy's eyes light up at the suggestion. I'm a really good cuddler, Grandpa. I promise. So Bruce sighed, giving his grandson another look over, he did seem rather helpless, before begrudgingly scooting closer to Selena, forfeiting the outward edge of the bed. Although Terence clearly misinterpreted that because when he climbed up on the bed, he climbed right over Bruce as well, wiggling into the space between he and Selena. She sighed allowing him some room, but Terry evidently had other plans as he took her hand and held it tight to his chest, like another child might clutch a teddy bear. Selena could feel his little heart beat below her palm, fast and frantic, he really had been scared, and as Bruce settled back into bed, pulling the covers over the three of them, she felt the beating slow, calm, comforted. Thank you, he whispered into the darkness, and Selena breathed in the smell of his soft hair, pressing a kiss to his temple. MHM, 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 Daisy nodded sagely, furrowing her brow as she removed the stethoscope from where she was holding it against Harley's boob, despite multiple reminders that's not where her heart was located.
she said it was the softest landing spot. So. There you have it. Non-negotiable. I'm sorry, Nana. I've got some bad news. Oh no, Harley feigned concern. What's the matter with me, Dr. Daisy? Daisy scoffed, grouchily pressing her glasses to her face, even though there was a strap that went around her head to keep them in place. That is Dr. Wayne to you, thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry, Harley quickly apologized. Of course, Dr. Wayne. How silly of me. Anyway, what's up, Doc? What's the prognosis? I'm. Daisy sighed like the news she was about to share pained her. I'm afraid you cannot walk, Nana. I am sorry to say. Harley clamped her hand over her mouth in exaggerated shock. Say it ain't so. Daisy just shrugged. It's true. There's nothing I can do. She sadly set her stethoscope aside before walking around Harley's chair and using the handles to push her out of the way. I am ready for my next patient. Ooh, me. Joe raised her hand from where she was sitting on the tiny wooden chair Pam had crafted for tea parties when the grandkids came over. Please, she faked a cough. I'm very sick. In need of immediate medical attention. Hmm, Daisy thoughtfully narrowed her eyes. Um, no thank you, mommy. Wh, why not? Joe was clearly disappointed at her imaginary illnesses remaining untreated. I'm Hutton, something, fierce, kid. I sent you to medical school at five years old and this is what I get in return? Daisy shrugged again, completely indifferent. Your case doesn't interest me. All right, well, Joe got up, dusting off her pants, despite the absence of dust. This is the last time I'm letting you hang out with Grandma. She's clearly been a bad influence on you. Pam snickered where she sat in the other tiny seat, nursing a tiny cup of tea. Jolene, darling, I have green skin. You can't compete with that. I guess I can't, she agreed. But now I'm late to a brunch for dogs for the deaf or something, Joe picked her purse up off the tiny table. Daisy, you're in. Charge until I get back. Be good, girls, she pat Pam on the head. You're in capable hands here with Dr. Wayne. Will there be actual dogs there? Harley wondered. Uh, not sure, Ma. But I'll take a picture of any I see. Harley's face split into a beaming grin, communicating that was exactly the answer she was looking for, and Joe smiled, leaning down to kiss her on the head and turn her back around to face the others before she walked out the door. So. Pam rolled up her sleeve once it was just the three of them. Do you know how to check blood pressure? Daisy frowned into her medical bag. I don't got the tools. Mmm, Pam frowned as well. How about hydration? The girl shuffled around in her bag for a moment before repeating, I don't got the tools. Well, lucky you, you don't need tools, Harley cheerily informed her. Here, watch, Pam took Daisy's hand to demonstrate and the girl observed her curiously, critically, even. Gently, Pam pinched the skin on the top of her hand with two fingers, and pulled up before letting go, both of them watching as the skin fell back into place. Hydrated. The idea is, Harley explained. That if you're drinking enough water, the skin should snap back quickly. But if you're not, 
it will move slowly. Daisy giggled. Slow like a snail? That's right, Harley confirmed. But, see, the problem is the test doesn't exactly factor in how aging affects elasticity. What's elasticity? It's like a rubber band, Pam told her. A more rudimentary synonym would be stretchiness. Dot. So, anyway, Harley held out her own hand. I drink a lot of water. Grandma makes sure of it, and she is not playing around. I mean it. So my skin should go back quickly, right? If I'm hydrated? The girl nodded ardently. Then let's try it, Harley encouraged. Daisy grinned as she pinched the skin, pulling up just like she'd been shown before letting go. But this time, she pouted. It didn't go back fast. That's right, Harley agreed once more. Because the older you get, the less elasticity in your skin, doesn't matter if you drink water or not. Daisy looked, well, disappointed would be the word for it. That's sad, she decided after a moment of pensive silence. Mommy said that old people die. Are you, are you gonna die, Nana? Mmm, someday, yeah, Harley smiled kindly. Happens to the best of M, document. Well I, I wish it didn't. Daisy stomped her foot. I wish it never happened to nobody ever and everyone was beautiful for always like grandma and that everyone that loves each other keeps each other. Me too. Pam pursed her lips, gently taking the girl's arms. Some people don't want that, sweetheart. Sometimes the people we love don't want that. But. She brushed a ginger curl away from her blue eye. That's a beautiful wish. Delilah, Delilah, please. Damien said sternly, pushing her hands away from his eyes as she sat atop his shoulders, but not before he stubbed his toe on a produce display. Motherf, Delilah clamped her hands over his mouth now. Not in the food store, Daddy, she scolded. Failing to call it up a grocery store, not because she was especially stupid, but because the place was like an alien planet to her. Joe snorted as she dropped a few apples into a bag setting them in the cart she was pushing. It's not funny, Damien gritted, wincing at the pain, which likely wouldn't have hurt him at all if it weren't the third time he'd stubbed that particular toe on that shopping trip alone, all thanks to Delilah. She knows what she's doing. Man, you know what? You used to be, like, a really fun as, butthole. Joe saved herself. Her daughter was six, she'd heard the word, ass, before but still associated it more with a donkey than a butt, and they wanted to keep that dream alive for as long as possible. Mean and sarcastic in all the right ways, Joe told him. Now you're just, tight. You're a tight butthole and those are really only fun for the guy. Loosen up, bro, she punched him on the arm. I do it all the time. Delilah was giggling, though not at the actual joke her mother had made before Damien had a chance to respond with anything more than an eye roll. My teacher said I'm not allowed to say, but, anymore because I called somebody at the butthead, and that's against the rules, I guess. Call him at the glithead next time. They'll never know what hit them. Joe held her arms up to help her daughter back to the ground and the girl smiled as she obliged her. Now, Joe knelt down in front of her once Delilah was standing on her own two feet. You see that shelf over there? With the candy? Emicham, she nodded excitedly. 
Well, I need you to pick out three, alright? One for you, one for your brother, and one for your sister. Joe told her like it was a very important mission. You think you can handle it? Yep. Delilah exclaimed, running off in the direction of the candy. Joe sighed with annoyance once the girl was out of earshot. We're way too fucking rich to do our own grocery shopping. It's to prove we're committed to buying locally and sustainably. We only have to do it like once a month, Damien reminded her. Don't get spoiled on me. Joe scoffed, pushing the cart a few steps forward. I like how you pretend like I'm Cinderella or something and you save me from some life in the gutter. My parents' combined net worth is five million, Damien. This isn't some inspiring rags-to-riches sob story. I was always spoiled, she leaned up to kiss him. And that being said, I think it's time we hired a new butler. It's hard work maintaining that house, babe, and we're busy people. My father has done a fine job, Damien told her. And there's no way he'd let someone fill Alfred's position. That man was more than just a butler to him, Joe. He was all my father had before we came. Joe sighed. Damien, first off, I love your dad. You know that. Really, the only men more important to me in this world are you and my brother. But your dad can barely even walk anymore. And that's with all the longevity meds my mom. Pumps into his system. He's moving into added responsibility territory. And that's fine. It's natural and I'm here for it, don't worry but it might be time for us to start making some decisions about our future, separate from him. I mean, I hate to have to be a grown-up here, but the older people get, the more they start to resemble children. You've seen Benjamin Button, right? Brad needed as much help from Kate at the end as he needed from Taraji at the beginning. Right, because my father is Brad Pitt, Damien scoffed. Uh, he was pretty hot, dude, Joe laughed. Not to be weird or anything. But, I married you, fuck, you get the picture. You all look the same, that's not my point. The point is it's scary, I'm scared, scared about both your parents and mine, and I think another pair of hands, at least someone to help with the house, can only be a good thing. Yeah, Bruce will hate us for it, but, I think it's in his best interest. You know it is. Damien groaned, looking up at the ceiling. I fucking hate it when you're right, I hope you know that. Yeah, must be extra hard since I'm right all the time, Joe gave him a pat before turning to watch Delilah bound back over to them. Mission accomplished, she grinned, throwing three Twix bars into the cart. Damien narrowed his eyes. Terry and Daisy hate Twix, Lila. Oh no. She looked concerned. I wonder what'll happen if they don't want to eat them. Guess they'll have to give M to me. My perfect evil genius. Joe picked her up in her arms, hugging her tight and spinning her around. What's the movie again? Pam asked. Shoo. Harley scolded, digging into her popcorn. Harl, it hasn't even started yet, Pam whispered harshly. And this isn't even an actual movie theater. Karen cupped her hands around her mouth, calling out, let's get this show on the road. Some of us have to work in the morning. Yeah, boo. Courtney agreed, throwing some popcorn at the projector screen. All right, all right, all right, Joe walked in front of the screen, shading her eyes from the bright light of the projector. We can't see. 
Anthony complained. Your head's in the way, Aunt Jo. Duke agreed. Shoo. Harley scolded once more, this time to the whole room. Joe exhaled. Thank you, M. You suck. Selena interrupted her to heckle. Hey. Barbara DeDrew. Joe shouted back. Zip it. Selena did, in fact, zip it, although it was clear Joe had only won the battle and not the war. The older woman settled herself back against her chair and popped a few MNMS in her mouth, watching Joe with a scheming look. Listen up, you ungrateful little shits. Ah. Potty mouth. Terry pointed an accusatory finger at her from the front row. Jesus. Joe muttered. Here's the deal, I chose this movie for a reason, to teach you all about the true nature of people you interface with every day. For some of you, this film will start you on an intense journey of personal introspection, for others, well, how you take it in, how you process it will differ from person to person, of course. No two experiences are ever the same. But for me, I can say with confidence that I am a different person, even a drastically different person, than I was before I was exposed to it. Damn it, Joe. Just press play. Barbara complained. I wish you all the best, she said before she obliged them, taking her seat between Damien and Terry. The theater was completely silent after the film ended. Not even the children spoke. The only sound in Wayne Manor's home auditorium was Joe chomping on her popcorn, looking at the audience instead of the screen. She shut it off after the credits had finished rolling and just watched, biting down on her thumb at the look of horror on her mother's face. W.H., Pam tried to speak. But why? I don't, um, I don't feel well, Anthony's voice sounded strangled in his throat. I don't think I'll ever feel well. Silence enveloped them once more, and it was Bruce, sometime later, who formed the first coherent sentence. I don't have a bat credit card, he yelled. I don't, that's ridiculous. They think I could just walk up to a bank and open an account without providing them with any personal information other than I'm Batman? And they just made a movie assuming my true identity was Bruce Wayne? That's slander. That, that girl was awful. Barbara angrily stammered. I'm not Alfred's niece. That doesn't even make any sense. And I'm not, I'm not. Dick was having a difficult time voicing his complaints as there were clearly too many to get out all at once. Nipples, why the, nipples? Joe's attention was still aimed squarely at Pam who was now staring, dead-eyed, at the blank screen in front of her. Anything to say, Mom? They all turned to look, and Harley waved a hand in front of her wife's face, which Pam didn't even blink at. M, 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 monkey, was the first thing Pam said, her jaw shaking as she spoke. That's not, I'm, I'm sexy, that's not, I'm not, monkey. I'm not monkey, I'm sexy, I'm, monkey with ice cream on my, my head. But I. Pam's eyes were beginning to fill with tears. I like Kill Bill, I, I like Kill Bill, I, why would she? And, Selena couldn't take it anymore. She sat forward and burst out laughing. Oh my god, she wheezed. Holy shit. That was incredible, just, incredible, she stood up to clap. Adam and Evil, you and Freeze oh my god, she wiped a tear from her eye. 
Thank you. Just, thank you. Thank you, Joe. You were right. I am forever changed. Pam just blinked, attempting to regain her footing. I hated that, she muttered. That was, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. I hated that. Everything about it. I hated everything about it. Harley cleared her throat before gently leaning into Pam's ear. Honey, the Woodrue depiction, are you alright? I mean, portrayal of you aside, are you okay? Why would I? Pam was mumbling. Why would I team up with Freeze? His goal was always contradictory to mine, nothing can grow if. Okay, good, you seem fine, Harley patted her on the shoulder supportively. Let's watch the one where Kat's a blonde next. Eh what? Selena sat up straighter. I would never. Joe laughed maniacally. Oh, but you would, Kitty. You would. Chapter 69 Selena took a long slurp from her straw, the ice cubes clinking in her lemonade. Is this what you thought retirement would be like? Harley raised an eyebrow from beneath the brim of her ball cap. Retirement from psychiatry or from costumes? Selena shrugged, her gaze focused off the porch, her eyes hidden behind a pair of dark sunglasses, her hair still short and stylish despite her decision to allow it to go gray after the triplets were born. I didn't think I'd miss it this much. So, we're talking costumes, then. All right, Harley acquiesced with a sigh. Yeah, I guess this is how I imagined it. Just, you know, without the chair. But things have a way of catching up with us. That they do, Selena agreed, biting her lip. I didn't even have a costume at the beginning, you know. Harley took a sip of her lemonade. No, I didn't know that. I don't know anything about you, really, she laughed. You don't like me, remember? Selena snorted. Yes, well, I am a woman of mystery, she kept her focus removed. Guess I'm the only one whose head you never got to shrink, huh? Harley frowned, thinking about that. Well Damien didn't exactly open up, so I'm not sure he counts, but he fathered my grandkids, so I've got some strings to pull. Cheers to you, then, Selena clinked their glasses. As gathering strings is definitely the point of therapy. Harley shrugged. He's a dick, what do you want from me, but as Selena sat up straighter, pulling her sunglasses off, Harley quickly amended, who seems like a pretty decent dad and a husband that my kid still enjoys being married to. Selena tossed her sunglasses onto the table, watching Harley critically even as she returned to a more relaxed stance. Eventually, though, her attention drifted to the yard in front of them. Objectifying your wife isn't even that fun anymore. Hey! Would it kill you to wear a thong? She called out to Pam who was bending over to pick up a bag of potting soil. With a grunt of exertion, the redhead hoisted the bag up over her shoulder, turning to face the porch. I'm not wearing any underwear at all, Selena. Does that help? Wordlessly, Selena grabbed her wallet out of her purse, taking out all the cash she had and making it rain over the porch's railing. Harley laughed. Ooh, babe, do the, put on the flannel. Pam sighed, Harlene, it's 90 degrees and humid. Fair point, Selena acknowledged. How about pants off, flannel on? Seems like a fair substitution. This? 
Pam used her free hand to indicate the two of them where they lounged in the shade of the large umbrella that protected the porch plants during harsh Gotham summers. I don't like it. At all. Selena waved her off, feigning disappointment as Pam carried the bag of soil across the yard. Anyway, she exhaled. Handjobs. Harley laughed. What's that now? I got out of the foster care system at like 12 and started giving handjobs, Selena elaborated. I was pretty good at them, too, she held up her hand and wiggled her fingers. Nimble. W.H., wait, what do you mean you? One night, there was this guy, hi, I don't know what, Selena interrupted Harley's interjection to continue her story. An older guy, a bit overweight. And normally I didn't look them in the eye when I was, you know, servicing them, but this guy initially said he'd pay me extra if I did. So I did, because there was a big asshole in the arm of my jacket from some barbed wire. I got caught jumping a fence, and I wanted to repair it. It was leather and totally badass and basically the only thing I owned besides a pair of jeans. But this guy? Selena shook her head. He started getting this crazy look in his eye about halfway through, and he was sweating and, it wasn't a good look, she summarized. Turned out, he was having a heart attack. And I didn't know, didn't know what to do, I was just a kid, so, he died. Selena, I, oh my god. Harley was horrified. I had no idea that. Hey, I'm trying to tell a story. Selena interrupted her once more. I get no one cares about Catwoman's origin story, I don't even think people remember I have one anymore. But I do, and here it is, so listen up. I, yes, okay, alright, Harley apologized. Go on, I can ask questions after. Selena watched her for a moment to make sure she was done before continuing. So I'm sitting there in this car with this dead body like Fuak, what the hell am I supposed to do now? And obviously I'm scared. I don't know if I just murdered the guy or what. But I do know that I ran away from my foster home and I'm underage, so, I decide it might take the cops longer to figure out what the deal is if he doesn't have his ID. And when I opened the wallet, she laughed, though there wasn't much humor to it. This motherfucker was about to pay me $30 for a handjob when he had $500 cash in his wallet. What a fucking prick, her jaw tightened as she shook her head. So I started pickpocketing when my, my Johns, she didn't seem to like the phrase, were distracted. Eventually, I decided theft was what I had the real talent for, so I dropped the guys altogether and started practicing for a bigger score. And thus, the greatest jewel thief to ever walk the streets was born. She smiled a bit wistfully. Took me a couple heists before I invested in the suit. Before that it was just those ratty jeans and that leather jacket. Harley swallowed, appearing to attempt to take that in. How did you, when did you meet Bruce? 18, Selena answered. We weren't in costume the first time. I'd grift my way into a gallery opening, and Bruce was there, of course. Everyone was there. I was there to get an inside view of the floor plan, and he came up with a glass of champagne, and was his typical charming self. Great hair, great tux, she chuckled. She felt the boy's eyes on where she stood, hoping her dress and her thoughtful appreciation of the artwork on display in front of her was convincing. Would convince him that she belonged here. 
that she belonged to this world. She swallowed as he approached, his steps only audible through the chorus of conversation around her because she was listening for them. Magnificent, he remarked softly beside her, and it wasn't until she glanced at him that she realized he meant her and not the painting. She nearly snorted. That was awful. His responding chuckle was good-natured as he offered one of the two glasses of champagne he'd been holding. You'd be surprised how often it works. No, she took the glass from him. I don't think I would. They stood there in silence for a moment, side by side, both examining the same object, though neither were paying close attention as the world moved around them. He was a man, she supposed, upon closer inspection. But like her he seemed, older than the skin he lived in would indicate. He walked with a knowledge of the world, she could see it. There was a weight on his shoulders, invisible to those without one, but clear as day to someone like Selina. Someone with a weight of their own. She wondered briefly if her demons were just as obvious to him. Perhaps you'd rather we critique the art, then, he used his glass to gesture at the sculpture before them, which depicted a tiger devouring its handler and was titled, The Hand That Feeds. She tilted her head to give it a more thorough appraisal, finally murmuring, I think he got what he deserved. He chuckled. Is that so? She turned to him slowly, a smile, almost cruel in nature, licking at corners of her mouth. Animals, wild things, are not meant to be caged. Emm, he acknowledged, his eyes flitting to her lips, but before he could say another word, she was handing her glass back to him. Pleasure, she nodded rushing past him towards the exit. Wait a minute, he caught up to her. I'm Bruce Wayne, and I, I didn't catch your name. Well, I didn't offer it, and you've got the start of a song on your hands, she winked, moving past him once more. Is it Cinderella, he guessed. Because you seem to be leaving the ball in an awful hurry. Ah, but you see, I didn't come here to meet the prince, Mr. Wayne, she smirked nodding up at the banner above her head expressing the gallery's gratitude to the Wayne family for funding this installation. Selina tapped her fingers rhythmically on the table. He was new on the scene too, the costume scene, I mean, so we were both trying to make a name for ourselves in one way or another, and, he missed me, when I robbed that museum the next night, her jaw muscles relaxed into a more natural smile. Just barely. I heard him coming and I got out of there, but, not before I took the sculpture. That was his first clue. And when he found me because of it, that was my last. Okay, Harley said as Pam plopped down beside them, using the sleeve of her flannel, which she had evidently decided to put on, to wipe the sweat from her brow. So let me get this straight, Harley squinted, looking up at the sky. You. Selina, my friend for the last, what? Forty-seven years of my life? Were an orphaned, underage prostitute? W.H., what the fuck? How is this just coming out now? Selina put her sunglasses back on. Not exactly a period of my life I'm proud of. Did what I had to to get where I am, and, that's that. Then why'd you decide to tell us now? Harley wondered, wanting to hear more. Wanting to, sit her down on that reclining chair in her old office and take out a notepad. Oh, well I already knew, Pam said taking a sip of Harley's lemonade. Sexual trauma seems to be a common thread among female villains. It's funny, Pam and I met almost the same way Bruce and I did, 
Selena chuckled. Of course I didn't know what she was actually doing until later, but… Harvey beamed, turning around and tapping a red-headed woman on the shoulder who appeared to be deeply entrenched in a conversation with a board member of the Nature Conservatory of Gotham. I'm sorry, excuse us for a moment. Harvey apologized to the man. Pamela Isley, meet Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. The woman turned around and for a moment, Selena understood Harvey's instantaneous infatuation. Bright green eyes, cheekbones that could cut glass, plump red lips and wavy crimson locks. She was maybe the most beautiful woman ever to grace the cover of a magazine. Selena tore her eyes away for a painful second to see if Bruce had noticed the woman's ridiculous attractiveness. He had. He was blushing furiously and his sudden insecurity seemed to shake Selena out of whatever daze she was in. Pleasure to meet you, Ms. Isley. Harvey here has told us so much about you. Something flashed across the woman's eyes, but she smiled nonetheless and extended her hand to Selena. It's Dr. Isley, actually. My apologies. Selena smirked. The ladder still stands, though. We can't get him to shut up. Is that so? Dr. Isley winked at Harvey. Bruce, don't be rude. Selena patted him on the back while he regained control of himself. Say hello to Dr. Isley. I'm sorry. Bruce cleared his throat. It seems I may have been overserved. Selena couldn't not roll her eyes at that. The redhead caught her in the act and giggled. Pam, this is Bruce Wayne. The man who helped me make this happen. Harvey told her. Selena watched the woman's lip twitch before she said, You're the one that helped Harvey secure the contracts from the Nature Conservatory? The very same. Bruce grinned. Beautiful and a doctor? How'd you get so lucky, Harv? Oh, you seem to be plenty lucky yourself, Mr. Wayne. Dr. Isley told him, her eyes locking onto Selena's. You two make such a handsome couple. Yes. Harvey chuckled. The tabloids seem to think so as well. These two are always the bell of the ball. Actually. Selena smiled, nodding in the direction of a photographer as he approached, aiming his lens at Harvey and Pamela. It appears we've been replaced. Bruce smirked. Enjoy, Harvey. Selena and I should make our rounds, but it was truly a pleasure to meet you, Dr. Isley. Oh, please, Mr. Wayne. Pamela said, her voice sultry. The pleasure was all mine. Perhaps we'll be seeing more of each other. Perhaps. Selena answered for him as she pulled him away from the other couple. We were all very young and angry back then, Selena said, sounding reflective. Creepy to think you were like a sophomore in high school while your future wife was poisoning Two-Face. Harley was shaking her head. Selena, I'm, fuck, I'm so sorry. Jesus Christ, is Pam the only one that made it out of her teenage years unscathed? Oh, I made up for it in the end, Pam exhaled. And unscathed is a relative term. But yes, I, didn't have to provide for myself in that way, she acknowledged. I just had to hate everything about myself besides my bone structure. Mmm, Selena's smile was sad. Well, we made it here, right? We're all in one piece, we're all, I don't know, we all try to remain fulfilled. We still drag our demons around, 
but maybe that's the point of it all. To see who can carry the heaviest shit the longest. That's a bit grim, Harley remarked. Talis Vita est, Pam rose from her chair. Such is life. Joe checked her watch as she fastened an earring through her earlobe, the numbers appearing as a hologram a few inches above her wrist so she could read it at her awkward angle. I knew I should have brought my fucking clothes, she cursed herself, yanking on her overcoat, the ivory one, even though the chestnut was much warmer. Not about function, it's about fashion, she reminded herself for the thirteen billionth time since marrying Damien. She'd been so focused on finding the kids something to wear that wasn't going to throw Daisy into a hissy fit that she'd completely neglected herself, and now she was late. Classic. Bruce, she called out as she stepped into her shoes. It's just you and me. What do you say we get out of here before your son divorces me? She stepped out into the hallways when she didn't get an answer. Not that she expected one. She and Damien's bedroom was a bit isolated on that floor. Yo, B-man, she tried again, bucking her belt, which she'd somehow neglected before. Can we take the Martin? I wanna roll up in style. But she stopped dead in her tracks at the top of the grand staircase, her blood instantly running cold. Oh fuck, she breathed. He was laying on the marble of the main floor, his position awkward, painful, broken. Bruce. She ran down the stairs, coming to kneel beside him. To her relief, he was breathing, but at the angle his leg was jutting out, she was pretty sure it was broken. Bruce, Joe didn't know whether or not to touch him. If he'd sustained a spinal cord injury, adjusting him could be detrimental and of course she was the only one in her fucking family who didn't have a dr prefix. Bruce, did you fall? Can you hear me? She was already panicking but his only response being an incoherent moan made it a lot worse. Fuck. Fuck, 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 her voice was high and frantic as she pulled her cell phone out of her pocket, unlocking it to dial 911. N, 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 N. Joe stopped, scurrying to the other side of his body so that she could see his face. It looked, weird, it looked contorted, and like maybe his nose was broken from the fall because he was definitely bleeding. Bruce, I have to call 911, this is a fucking emergency. NNN, no, he tried again, and this time his protest was more coherent. Too many, too many secrets. What? Joe was horrified. Bruce, I'm not just going to let you die here on the fucking floor because we've got a bat cave downstairs. I'm calling an ambulance. I, Ivy, he forced out, although only half of his face seemed to be moving. Call Ivy. You stubborn motherfucker. Joe decided to listen, dialing her mother instead, her heartbeat somehow louder than the ringing of the phone at her ear. Aren't you due to give a speech right about now? Pam asked immediately upon answering the phone. Mom. Joe shouted, more grateful at the fact that she'd answered than she could even describe. It's Bruce. He fell. I think he fell down the stairs and he won't let me call 911 you have to help me please I don't know what to do he's in a lot of pain and I think maybe he had a stroke in. Is his face drooping? Just one side. Is he conscious? Is he speaking? I don't know, mom, Joe was beginning to cry. Just come here, please. Damien's gonna fucking kill me. I'd really rather call 911. 
No, Pam stated firmly. I was treating Bruce with technology and medications most hospitals won't be familiar with. I'm on my way. Just keep him awake until Selena and I get there. I'll kill him if he kills you, Bruce managed to grunt out as she was hanging up. Chapter 70 Pam quietly stepped out into the hallway, holding the bedroom door open for Harley before shutting it behind them. Damien and Joe rose to their feet immediately, Joe asking, is he gonna be alright? The redhead cleared her throat, her eyes flitting to Selena where she remained seated, staring blankly ahead. He suffered a massive stroke, Pam revealed, her tone somber. It appears he was walking down the stairs when it happened, he lost feeling in his legs and then fell. From what Harley can tell. A broken leg, two cracked ribs, a broken nose and I'd throw a concussion in there too, Harley said. Damien shook his head, the movements subtle as he turned to face the wall, placing a hand there to steady himself. He closed his fist and slammed it, so hard that the painting hanging beside him fell, crashing to the floor. When Joe attempted to place a supportive hand on his back, he prickled, gritting, How did this happen, Jolene? You were in the fucking house. I don't, I don't know, Joe stammered, retracting her hand. I checked in on him before I got in the shower, and he was, tying his tie. He was fine. I told him I'd only be a minute. And what? Damien spun around. He fell down the entire flight of stairs and you didn't hear a peep. Just went about your fucking business? Jesus, dude, Joe wiped a tear from her eye. I was on the 6th floor, he fell from the 2nd to the 1st. I'm not Supergirl. And what good would it have done if she had heard? Selena murmured, her eyes glassy, unfocused. She's not Iris West either. A silence descended over the five of them, Joe gazing intently at her shoes, Damien glaring hatefully in her direction, and Selena still staring off into space while Harley and Pam watched, uncomfortable in every aspect of the situation. He's going to die, Selena realized, eventually breaking the silence. That's what you meant to tell us. Don't be stupid, Selena, Damien snapped. He's fine. Why else would he call the fucking witch doctor? his dark eyes shifted to Pam, and she found his intensity, disquieting. Damien, she started out kindly, her voice soft. Your father is 85 years old. My options are limited here. I don't, Pam cleared her throat. I don't think he called me here to save him. She's the vet, Selena mumbled. He wants to be put down. Damien scoffed. You think Bruce Wayne is going to give up? Just like that? He fell and he's throwing in the towel? Fat chance. Baby. Joe tried again, moving closer, a comforting hand outstretched. But he slapped it away, his skin hot with rage, with betrayal. His jaw shook as he attempted to unclench it, his fist tight to his side. This is bullshit, he spat, looking from Joe to Pam again and pointing an accusatory finger straight at her. Bullshit. The others watched as he stormed off down the hallway, descending the stairs out of sight. Joe's tears turned from a trickle to a pour and she buried her face in her hands, sinking back down into her seat. Harley sighed. Joe, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You did what you could. That's all there is to it. It's frustrating feeling powerless, easier when you have someone to blame.
Ignoring that exchange, Selena stood up, asking Pamela, can he talk? His communication is limited, Pam told her. Currently, he's suffering from what's called a neurogenic stutter thanks to the stroke, but he would like to attempt to speak to each one of you individually. You last, that was his request. Fine, Selena muttered, turning around to clap in Joe's face. Make yourself useful, go get the kids and call your brother. With a wipe and a sniff, Joe obeyed, starting down the hallway in the same direction Damien had taken, but mumbling, maybe you guys should have let me hire a fucking butler, as she went. Harley waited until she was gone to tell Selena, little harsh, don't you think? She's fine, Selena contended in a tone that screamed for Harley to drop it. Bruce went from kissing me goodbye this morning to not being able to form a coherent sentence, but Joe will be fine, don't worry. Much to Pam's relief, Harley did drop it, staring down at her lap with something approaching shame etched into her features. Are you sick? Delilah wondered. Like, cancer sick? Like mommy pretended to be? Don't be stupid, Lila, Daisy spat, her arms tight to her chest where she sat beside Terry. He had a stroke. You don't just get cancer all of a sudden. Bruce pointed a weak finger at Daisy, mouthing, stop it. But she took that as further evidence of her point. Look. He can't even talk. Delilah's eyes filled with tears, and she grabbed his still outstretched hand, holding it in her own. What does mommy mean when she says we have to say goodbye? She means he's gonna die, Daisy informed her, angrily getting to her feet. That right, grandpa? Bruce nodded. Tigich, that's right. I'm LL, leaving. Well it was nice knowing ya, then, Daisy's words were choked with tears as she headed for the door. But her brother stopped her, hugging her from behind and keeping her in place. Daisy, please stop, he whispered into her ear. Nana says it's okay to be sad. Oh, or am, mad. Bruce is forced out. Be mad. Boo, but. Terry released his sister so that she could turn to listen, which she did begrudgingly. Be good. Bruce finished. Delilah laid her head down on his chest, holding his hand against her cheek. I don't want to say goodbye, Grandpa. I'll miss you too much. He tried his best to smile down at her, struggling to force his face into action. Why, you have a better family tea, than Emm, Madame. Terry came over to join them, shaking his head as he did. No one will ever be our Grandpa again. You're the only one. I'll be a good Batman for you, he smiled proudly, though his blue eyes sparkled with tears. Don't worry, I will. Strong and brave just like you and Daddy. Bruce nodded in appreciative understanding before looking over at Daisy. And what, he had to close his eyes to focus on his words. What will you be? Daisy blinked, that question catching her eight-year-old self by surprise. Smart, was the answer she finally decided on. Bruce watched her a few moments longer, unblinking. Make me proud, he addressed that statement to all three of them. Mm, make me proud. Damien, Joe was trying to stay calm. I know you're pissed. I get it. I'm sorry, but please don't take it out on your dad. You have to say goodbye to him. Why, he demanded. 
Christ, people live like that all the time. Your mom's in a wheelchair, she didn't ask for assisted suicide, did she? You know it's not the same, Joe said. Damien, this kind of thing, it ruins people. Obviously, Damien scoffed, standing in front of the window and looking out onto the grounds of his family's house. A house that would now soon belong to him, he realized, and his stomach tightened as he did. If he's willing to kill himself over it. I mean letting him go without saying goodbye, Joe corrected. Don't, fuck, don't be too proud. Please. Imagine if it was you in that bed downstairs. Imagine you're 85, already spending every day in pain, and then this happens and after providing for your family for years, you now need something from them. One thing. And Terry says no. Terry says he won't because you're weak for choosing the easy way out. Damien shook his head, watching her reflection in the window and hoping she didn't notice. This isn't about me and Terry. This is about me and my father and I will handle it how I please. He noticed her body language shift behind him, and when she spoke, her voice had lost the sympathetic undertone. All right, look, she tried to breathe. Damien Wayne, you spoiled fucking brat, you are 39 years old. You are married. You have three children. You're petulant. Sulking days are over. You are no longer that angry little boy who refused to call your dad anything other than Bruce and refused to acknowledge Selena altogether. You are an adult, and every action you take sets an example for our kids. So if you can't do it for him, can't do it for Bruce, how about you do it for me? Or better yet, do it for the fucking kids. Show them how an adult man deals with things that are difficult. Do you need a punching bag? Fine, she spread her arms wide, making eye contact with him in the glass. Here I am. Do whatever the fuck you want. I'm pretty sure I can take it. Or put on your bat suit, take the car or the plane or the fucking boat and make a few mistakes. I promise I won't judge you. In fact, after tonight, there will be no one left to judge us, ever. But fuck, dude, give your father the time of day. Hold his hand, give Selena a hug, step up to the fucking plate. He's your dad. He loves you. Step outside of yourself for two fucking seconds, like you regularly do for me, and be his son. But he couldn't. No, no couldn't. His father was Batman. His father was Bruce Wayne. His father was not some old man ready to give up on his life. If this was truly what he wanted, if he truly wanted to leave them like this, leave his family, then the real Bruce Wayne was already dead. No sense saying goodbye to whatever husk of a man lay in that bed. Joe shook her head when he didn't respond, and after a long pause she gave up. Fine. But just remember all three of your eight-year-olds did what you couldn't, she turned for the door of their bedroom, shouting, Bruce should have let me hire a fucking butler, before slamming it behind her. Selena sat quietly in the chair beside the bed, though she didn't feel either of them were suffocating in the silence. Bruce just gazed at her, his head lying lazily on the pillow, taking her in like he was committing her features to. Memory, despite her confidence that neither of them would be able to forget the other's face if they tried. Even like this, even while lying on his deathbed, he didn't look weak. Didn't look frail. This was still Bruce, her Bruce. The young man at the party, the one underneath that cowl. Her designated driver, the man sitting beside her as she shook and vomited, 
getting that poison she'd let control her for so many years out of her system. Still, he'd chosen her. After all that, despite it, because of it, her best friend, her greatest adversary, her guardian angel, the love of her life, Bruce Wayne. I was telling stories, she murmured, breaking what had felt for a moment like a state of suspended reality. When Joe called, I was telling Harl and Pam about me, about the man. She smiled faintly. Five hundred dollars, Bruce said, trying to mimic her expression, but only succeeding with half of his face. Selena chuckled. What is your Harvey impression? NN, not bad, he phrased it like a question. Not bad, she agreed, running her hand distractedly up his arm. Though you were always better looking. Bruce nodded in agreement. It's oh, how I knew P, Pam was LL, lying. Selena laughed before sitting back in the chair, her fingers dancing off of his arm. I told them that story too. Left out the part about us hooking up in the bathroom afterwards to get out our Pam-induced sexual frustration, just figured I didn't need that going to her head, especially since she's finally got a handle on her ego. W, what else? Selena had to swallow down the lump in her throat at the realization that he just wanted to hear her speak. He'd wanted to see her last so her voice would be the last one he'd hear, the last conversation he'd have would be with her. I told them about meeting you. C, 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 Inderella. And the prince, Selena whispered with a smile, gazing at him once more, although she eventually had to look away, guilt overcoming her. I'm sorry it happened like this. I didn't, God, she looked up at the ceiling. You think about it, you know it's coming, it's inevitable, she blinked, causing a tear to roll down her cheek. But never you, Bruce. Not once did I imagine visiting your grave, saying, saying goodbye like this, she had to swallow again to continue. This world was so lucky to have you, I just figured it would keep you. Gently, he reached out a hand, resting it on her cheek and urging her to look at him. Wouldn't be W, worth it without Y, U. Selena kept his hand there by covering it with her own, tears rolling slowly down her cheeks as she said, I love you, Bat. Bruce held the reverence of the moment, swallowing down whatever emotion was threatening to overcome him. I love you, Cat, he replied, by some miracle without a stutter. I d, do. She smiled as best she could, moving his hand from her cheek to his stomach and gently tapping her wedding ring against his, the ones they wore just for show. I do, she whispered, not bothering to wipe her eyes. I always have. Selena took a shaky breath, noticing tears gathering in his eyes as well. I used to steal things just so you'd chase me, she laughed. Bruce shook his head, a single tear falling down his cheek. I h, had to chase you. You took something from me. That f, ff, first night, you stole it. The statue? Selena wiped the next tear from his eye. But Bruce shook his head, moving their joined hands over his chest now, to cover his heart. Joe sighed, sounding defeated. I did my best, Mom. Pam nodded in understanding, squeezing her daughter's wrist before taking a deep breath and turning towards Bruce's room for her final favor to him. She'd answered his call just like he'd asked in that elevator 25 years ago. He'd given her the gift of life, and in return, she was now prepared to give him the gift of death. Is it gonna hurt? 
Carrie's shaky voice stopped Pam in her tracks. She shook her head, turning to give Carrie a reassuring smile where she sat clutching Courtney's hand, her eyes red and puffy from crying. It will feel like going to sleep. His last few moments, when he begins to slip, will feel far gentler than living. Courtney wrapped a supportive arm around Carrie's shoulder, Anthony doing the same for Duke where the boy sat doing his very best not to cry. Barbara and Dick stood silently hand in hand. Cassandra sat off to the side, her head bowed reverently. Harlene sat with Delilah on her lap, Terry sitting at her feet with his knees drawn to his chest, and Daisy stood behind them, her arms crossed over her chest. And Tim wrung his hands nervously, refusing to make eye contact with anyone. With a nod, Pam left them, entering the bedroom where Selena still sat holding Bruce's hand. They'd both been crying, that much was clear, and she noticed Selena stiffen at the sound of the door opening. Are you ready? Pam asked softly. Bruce blinked. M, my son. D, 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 D. Damien, Selena finished for him. Where's our son? He hasn't said goodbye. Pam pursed her lips, trying to mask her own disappointment at Damien's failure. He said he loves you very much, but he's, he's afraid, and he can't. He can't say goodbye. Bruce blinked a few times like he was trying to process what she'd said, but clearly wasn't as upset as Selena, who tried to shoot up from her chair, but was tethered to her spot by the hand she was still holding. Let him be, Bruce said. It's his siege, hoist. Selena looked down at him, seeming to weigh her options, and ultimately choosing to honor Bruce's wishes, kissing him on the cheek as she sat back down. This is about you, not him. I'm sorry. Bruce squeezed her hand, communicating that it was okay, not that it would be okay, he couldn't know that, but to Pam it seemed he was telling her spending his last moment with only her was all right. Ivy sat down on his other side pulling a small vial from her pocket and a syringe from the kit she kept down in the Batcave. It doesn't have to be right now, Bruce, she reminded him. We can wait a little longer, this is all up to you. I, I've said goodbye, Bruce told her. Damien knows W, what he am, means to me. Ivy nodded solemnly, readying the syringe, flicking the glass with her fingernail after it was filled with the green liquid from the vial. Thank you she murmured as she punctured his skin with the needle. F, for what? Ivy watched his eyes as she injected the liquid, his pupils dilating until she could just barely see the blue that made up his iris. For being a good man. And for being my friend. In loving memory of. Bruce Wayne. Father, partner, friend. 1961-2046. Men are still good. We fight, we kill, we betray one another, but we can rebuild, we can do better. We have to.